You're listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. Rob Hollis is here. Hi, Rob. Hi, Michael. Who do we got this week? We have a good buddy of mine. I call him Dan. I call him Dad. His name's Dak Shepard. He's uh, married to the lovely Kristen Bell. He has uh, done a lot of work in his life. He was the guy from Punked. He was on Parenthood. He directed the movie Chips. He directed me in Hit and Run. I was he, cut out of Chips. He's got a really good podcast called Armchair Expert also. Oh, yeah, you work on that. Why do you work on that, by the way? Uh, I don't know. How did that happen? I don't Why don't you tell know. the folks out there? I don't there? remember how you that liar. came to be. I don't remember how that came to be. Yeah, it was very easy. What happened was... Dax came on my podcast, and then he said, uh, after, there's, "There's no way Michael is doing any of this." No, he goes, "This is really exciting." This, I really he goes, "I really love your podcast." And uh, damn, he goes, "He told me this the other day." He's like, "You're the reason that he wanted to have a podcast." So he did a podcast, and then he called me after and goes, "Hey, can I use your guy Rob who produces with you? He's really good." And I go, "Fuck yeah, use him." And, and the because rest Rob's great, now now he's taking all your time, and uh, I don't, I barely see you. Yeah, that's usually what happens. And then you'll blow up, you'll become big, you'll forget about me, and I'll have to hire like. Uh, well, and then I'll hire you to be on my podcast. Oh, that's good. As long as you'll hire me. Yeah, I'll hire you. That's great. Uh, Dax and I have been friends for a long time. We've been through a lot together. Uh, we tell those stories. Uh, I think drugs are involved. We talk about his relationship with Kristen, being a ladies' man, and uh, you know, and sort of changing his ways and stopping drinking and stopping drugs and. So many fun things that you're going to, I think this is a really great episode. And it's, yeah, that, that guy that he beats the show. Oh yeah. This guy threw a milkshake or something at his car and Kristen watched him do a drop kick to this guy's head. Well, no, this is the, the Which guy one? that tried to oh, mug him. Tried, yeah. That's, I, I saw his photo today. He tried to get mugged. He showed you it. Yeah. The he's guy's a, hand. It's in a photo album. Yeah. And Dax, his hand was broken and the guy's face was a little he mangled. He was covered in blood. Yeah, this is a. You're gonna like this podcast. It's uh, it's quite fun. This episode of Inside of You is brought to you by the H Hemp Company. Yeah, this company has saved me. I gotta tell you, their their products are the real deal. If you want to relax, feel better naturally, you don't get high at all, so you don't have to worry about that. Because I know there's a lot of products out there, like you know CBD based and all this. But look, you take the H Hemp Company's products. They've been written about in magazines. You feel better. I I use this bomb. And uh, Rosenbaum. Rosenbaum. Yeah, dude, I put it on my because I got neck issues. I got a herniation in my neck. I use it in my. I've had back surgeries, yeah, and I just you are feel better. Dude. Always complaining about being in pain, and ever since you started using this, it seems yeah, like you've game been, you bitch a little less. Is what I've been looking for, bra. Yep. I could take H Hemp CBD and still function. I can go to hhemp.com and I can try it, which you can also do. And if you use Rosie twenty. Get twenty percent off, Rosie twenty. Dak Shepard, folks. It's my point of view. You're listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum was not recorded in front of a live studio audience. You know, my favorite thing in the world to do is radio. I love it. I'm starting to think that, too. I'm starting to think maybe I should... Uh, I have a face for radio, so maybe I should do this. Yeah. But it's nice. It's intimate. It's like... There's something about putting headphones on and then talking into the microphone, right? Sexy. That, to me, it blocks out some of my other senses. I don't know what it is, but it, it, I feel like it's like an altered state. Do you feel hyper-focused? Yeah, hyper-focused. I'm not distracted. Because I'm easily distracted. I have oh, the ADD. Oh, the worst. Not yeah, the alarm yeah. system, but yeah. the... Uh, <laughs> ADT? Yeah. I'm going to prop this mic up just a little more. <clears throat> what a treat it is for 
for me to have you here. It's so nice to be in this living room. You, you, you've been here. Again, yeah. Years ago. You're one of the few friends I have in show business that I partied with. Because I've been sober for almost 13 years. Wow, you just want to get right into that. So yeah. it's, I don't have a ton of friends that I've uh, snorted white with, you know? You know, I, I didn't know if I was going to get into that with you. Why I was wouldn't like, you? Well, I was like, well, you know. The only let's... shot in hell you have got at doing these things is to be dead honest, right? Inside of you with Michael Rosenbaum. <laughs> I'm here with Dax Randall Shepard. <laughs> did you learn my middle name for this? I did. Yeah. Did you, what did you think when you read it? I, I couldn't believe it. Yeah, it doesn't first... seem. Randall. Yeah, it doesn't. But I thought of Dazed and Confused. Randall, Pink Floyd, you're in need of some serious attitude adjustment, young man. One of the characters was named Randall. Randall Pink Floyd. So I was named, I got that name from my Uncle Randy. Uncle Randy? Now, he was not my Uncle Randall. <laughs> and I was always told as a kid, like, your name, you know, your middle name's after your Uncle Randy, which was great with me. And then it wasn't until I saw some kind of document that had the long-form version of Randy, Randall, on it. And, I, and then I didn't like it at all. Like, but, Randall's kind of a shit name as opposed to Randy. Uncle Randy sounds like an abusive uncle. No, no. He, he was, wasn't. He, he was, was a good guy. lovely. He took us to drive-in movies and uh, beat the shit out of us. And, Did he? Uh, no, no, no. He was, he was so loving and wonderful. He uh, is my dad's brother, and he, he was a good time Charlie. He uh, worked at Wonder Bread Bakery Wonder in the Bread. Union with primarily black dudes and so all of his musical tastes were black like he was on the real low down like remember that song like if you gonna ride ride the white pony yes he had that on vinyl horse. i think it's horse horse is it ride the right ride the what, white what? horse and the pony would be a smaller version of, <laughs> of a horse sure but whatever that song is he <laughs> and he also played erotic city by uh by prince a lot you right know, oh, yeah. so pretty you and me now that wasn't on the radio that was a b-side of a, a, a prince single and we would go in the basement and he'd play this deep deep groove cut yeah yeah and he would dance and it was all very foreign to me but i think it stuck how old was he when he was dancing, and how old were you at this well, time? Well, what's funny now, if I think about it, like in my, in my, no, in my head, he was like a 50-year-old man, but <laughs> I now realize he was probably like 29 or something. And you were... Like, don't you get that a lot now that we're old, where you're like looking back in your head at your teachers and shit, and you go, oh, God, I was tw I'm was, i 12, currently 12 years older than my science teacher was. Yeah. It's a real I'm, bummer, I'm isn't twice it? as old as Mrs. Barr. Yeah, isn't that... Yeah. It's so freaky when you start thinking She was about so it. hot. Mrs. Barr. Was she? Hot science Mrs. teacher. Mrs. Roseanne Barr. Mrs. Roseanne Barr. <laughs> uh, but I, I remember I had a boner in class once. Oh, you did? Her. Yeah. At what age? And, oh, I was probably 16, 15. Okay, Those were sure. boners came in yeah, abundance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I don't bone up as much as I used to. No, who does? You don't bone up as much? Not really, no. I'm on a uh, over-the-counter testosterone supplement <laughs> from GNC. Are you? Yeah. And uh, one of the upsides, I don't know if it's having any impact on my physique or anything, but I, I am occasionally getting nocturnal boners, which is Senior. lovely because that, yeah. that's taking me back to my 20s where I'll actually get woken up because I have a boner and it's uncomfortable. You know, I'm lying on my side or something. Let me paint Kristen, a picture for you. Do you, you. tap on Kristen's shoulder? <laughs> no, I know much better than to do that. Uh, we don't do that at midnight, no. too, the kids. Uh, likewise, I would be furious if someone woke me up for coitus. <laughs> Sleep is so, <laughs> so elusive to me. You know, I, I, we never talked about this, but your childhood, man, growing up, you grew up in Michigan, right? Mm -hmm. But I, I knew that. We're like, brethren because you're from Indiana, Indiana right? Uh-huh. 
And I mean, Indianapolis, greater metro area. Yes. Uh-huh. How far are you from Evansville? I'm southern <laughs> Indiana, so you're probably a good six hour, eight hours. Yes, north. I think I told you this. I detasseled corn as a kid uh, in the summertime in White Pigeon, Indiana, which was right on the border of southern Michigan. How and much Indiana. were you getting an hour, Dax? I want to say it was respectable. This was 1987. And I, I think I was getting five dollars an hour four or five dollars an hour i mean it was gruesome work but you worked like 12 to 14 hours a day which they only let kids do in agriculture like you couldn't work at safeway grocery store 12 hours wesselman's grocery yeah yeah at 12 years old they wouldn't allow that but agriculture there's all these loopholes so uh, anyways you work six days a week 12 to 14 hours a day i do remember coming home from the summer and i had like over a thousand dollars to my name and i bought mike tyson's punch out oh yeah a super nintendo did you ever beat tyson's punch out no 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 i got to him but i don't don't believe i ever beat him i I was never very good at video games i had my way with bald bull yeah, who was the heavy set gentleman? You I think that was Bald Bull. He kind of no, went to the Bald left Bull. Right. No, Piston Hurricane was no it? the big fat white guy, and you Gosh. punch him and his pants would fall down. Hippo was Joe or something. Hi- hippo, Hippo, hungry, hungry Hippo hungry Joe. Hippo Joe. <laughs> yeah, hungry yeah, that was Hippo it. Joe. I think that was it. But I bought that video game, the 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 uh, council, the game council. Nintendo console, console. <laughs> the whole council. I bought the whole council of <laughs> right. Nintendo, and and I bought uh, wall brand clippers. You know, hair clippers, trimmers, wow. and uh, and then I started giving haircuts. And then well, I, well, hang on a second. You gave haircuts. I gave it. You know, I'm a very good hairstylist. No, you don't no, know that about no. me. No, I snorted coke See, with you, you, but you, I don't know about that. We've been friends for 14 years. That, and yes, you you need to do a podcast together to learn the real stuff. That's exactly what I talk about. This is true. Yeah, yeah it's weird. So yeah, I started cutting hair when I was 12. Uh, I got in very big trouble in eighth grade because I'd given uh, several kids mohawks. Per their request, I didn't just do it. You know, they they wanted these mohawks. And I gave them to them, and it was right before pitchers at the start of eighth grade. And all these moms called the school, and they were furious. And then the principal had to call my mom and say, you know, you have to take away these clippers. And then my mom said to me, I'm going to act like I took away these clippers, but you can't give any more haircuts of that style. And then I kept cutting hair. In the 10 years that I lived in L.A. and was unemployed as an actor, I cut all my friends' hair. Come on. Yes. You never offered to cut my hair. That's why I didn't know I, about the, this. I could do the haircut you have, no problem, in my sleep. I cut Kristen's hair. I cut the I kids' would have hair. Sp- I would have saved thousands of dollars on this haircut that you call a, Yeah, and I never even cut. charged my buddies. It was like you owed me a pizza or a 12-pack of beer. You're that good? You cut Kristen's? I'm really good. I cut my own hair. If I'm not on set, uh, I cut my own hair. That's incredible. I didn't know. It that. does nothing because the people that are listening, I could, I could look like Bozo the Clown. So it's <laughs> no, not really but, a but testament. I think you're a really good looking guy. I mean, in fact, I just got a text message because I said <laughs> I was gonna. I Instagram that you were coming over the house, and Chion or Chion says, "Dude, that dude cracks me up. Watch Chips. He's buffer than hell." Damn, you got a great body, dude. I, Your well, body al- wasn't always this. No, no, and it cur- was good. And currently, it's not. What what Cheyenne is talking about? Cheyenne, Cheyenne, Chai One. I'm so flattered she noticed. Yeah. I had you know because you you put in a lot of work for these types of things, and then no one gives a shit. Your wife doesn't care. Your wife doesn't. No care one about seems the, the body. Care. Yeah, she could care less. Really, she doesn't like. I mean, that, that ultimately that's positive because I could p- pack on the pounds and she really wouldn't care. Like, l- let's just say this. So in chips, I was 185. I'm currently 200. I have a gut right now. 
but I'm also kind of big upstairs right sure. now. Sure. And, and the You're other big night, downstairs too. I've seen that. Right, right. We've done that. We could talk about And that. Um, my wife said, uh, oh, I like you kind of heavy. You look a little powerful. And I was like, oh, that's great. I mean, to me, I just look like a pig. No. Uh, but she thinks I look powerful. That's great. Is that real love? I think so. Yeah. I think it is. Well, I think it's just specific to who she is because I've certainly had girlfriends who did care very much about what their boyfriend's physique looked like. And then there's some that don't care. So- you're cutting hair in high school. Mm-hmm. Now, you were you a tough guy? Uh, yeah, I would say so. You were? Yeah. Always? This is always a hard conversation. I know, but we talked wanna, about I don't want to act like I'm, I think I'm some badass. No, but, but yes, I, I have, did. Yeah. I fist fought a bunch. You fist fought? Uh-huh. Growing up. Did you I did. say that incorrectly? No, I, I think that's right. Fist Fucking fought. You fist grammar, fought. Grammar police over no, here. No, no. I know. You know. I, I, I engaged in fisticuffs a bunch, yeah, as a kid and, and, as, a, and, as, a, and as an adult. You know, well, as you know, I had a a, a drinking problem, and yes. I had an ego problem. Uh, well, look, you're talking to one. Sure. You, certainly an ego issue. Sure. You douse a, a swollen ego with a bunch of booze and things are going to go wrong. Yeah. I, yeah. I, you know, I remember I went to your house. You had an apartment. You were dating someone else. You were, yeah. this was years Brie. ago. You were dating Bree. You had an open relationship. Uh-huh. Um, which I find fascinating because I've never met anyone where it works. It actually right. worked with you for years. Uh-huh, nine years. Right, and uh, she was she was fantastic. But I remember I went down to your place, and I actually, it was the first time I go, I'm a little worried to be around you. <laughs> no, no, no. I was I was nervous to be around you because I, I, I felt like I felt like you were unpredictable, plus you were doing sure. drugs, and uh-huh. I, you know, I was like, I was, you know, I guess I was doing a little bit of that, but sure. I felt like unpredictable in the sense that you really, to me, you didn't, like normally, if someone said something to me, I'd be like, ah, whatever. I wouldn't. You respond to people. You don't like when people, you know, uh, if you feel you're being condescended to, or if someone says something, you kind of you don't let it go like I do. But it, you, I went to your apartment, and it was a nice little apartment. I think you had a. Couple. Well, it wasn't very nice. I it lived there for ten years. I no, it was. It, I was rent controlled, right. and 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 by the time you met me, I think I had done like a few movies and sold a few scripts and I still lived in this dump. Okay, well, I didn't move out. You were just doing punked and you hadn't really had the first movie because I remember the first movie when you got without a paddle. paddle, You called me to celebrate. Well, no, I was on my way to your house when I got the call from my agent. And the first thing he said was like, do you know how much I'm making? I know. (laughs) $70,000. I I fucking made it, dog. Oh, yeah. You were so, I was so happy for you. Well, yeah, I had spent 10 years making like six grand a year. And then I did Punked, which I, it took a year to shoot and I made 18 grand before taxes. Were you ever upset with Ashton, even though he sort of got your start there? No. Were you like, no, I would have, I would have paid to be on TV at that point. And then because of Punked, I got to be in that movie without a panel. And then. Sure. Yeah, and then with all, all of a sudden, I'm going to make like a couple hundred thousand dollars. I mean, my Incredible. head, I couldn't believe it. Like, it would have uh, been more polite to not come in and tell you exactly what I was making, but I was so excited <laughs> no, we about do that. that. We do, you could do that with your yes, friends. Yes, yes. You, well, you don't tweet close. how much you're making. It is weird between actors. It can be dicey to talk not about Not with me. Stuff. I think I've talked to you about your salaries, yeah, my salaries. Yes. Because, look, a lot of times my our thought is, it's a, I think it comes from a humble place where it's like, hey, we got a job now. But remember, that money is for now, and once I'm unemployed, like, I haven't worked in, like, eight months. In fact, I don't work unless you have a movie you're making. Uh, are you not doing Imposter again? Oh, uh, it got canceled. It got canceled? Yeah, it got canceled. You can find that on Wikipedia. No, it was fine. It was a great two seasons. I had a great <laughs> time doing it. Wikipedia. Uh, I had a bit on uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. They CGI'd my face. Uh, I went and saw Guardians of the Galaxy. You didn't recognize me, but I was no, I would, but, but I yeah. was, uh, uh, it was like I was Volume in. Volume 2. You know, when you're a kid and you the, you, you go to like a uh, block party and they they dump change in a big thing of sawdust, yeah, and you're like looking for a quarter. So 
I couldn't relax that whole movie because I was on such high alert looking for you. Were you really? Yeah, because I knew you were in yeah, it, I, and I, I was like really excited to see you. And I almost I missed ninety percent of the movie because whenever the lead characters are talking, I'm just I'm fucking scanning the background like where's Rosenbaum? Where's Rosenbaum? <laughs> I was looking for you and Steve Agee the whole time. Oh, yeah. Agee, you could see. Yeah, he's yeah, a, he's yeah. a giant well, he's, man. He's helped by the fact that he's 6'7". Yes, that yeah. is. But uh, James said, hey, we're going to you know CGI your face. And I said, you know, I started to get a complex. But sure. he said, look, you're going to be with Sly for three scenes. It could branch into something else. It's you're right. the old guardian. So you might I, be look, in Rocky 7. I might be in Rocky 7. <laughs> I was really excited. Look, back to you. I want to go back to the apartment. I want to go back to the apartment, okay, the yeah. shitty apartment. Yeah, I, I, I don't really remember you being at that apartment. I'd love to hear I did what, because what I remember there. this. I remember going in there. It was there, a shithole, everybody. And Let's he, just say It was that. a shithole. Yeah. I mean, it was just shit and you scattered. already lived in this house. Like, I already lived in yeah, my house here and, and, and the, i was starting house. to make yes i was doing a small smallville. and your dad was a big fan god bless your dad may rest in peace he was a smallville fan yes and yes. that really made my i remember when you said hey my dad really, that made my day thank you well and not only was he a smallville fan he specifically was a lex luther fan it was you do you think that's why we became friends because you, your dad liked me no Good. i don't thank think god. that yeah thank god <laughs> i don't, I don't think a that's really it. poor excuse <laughs> We became friends because I was very flattered. We were out at like some kind of weird event. I don't know, like at a bar and you came up to me and yep. you had seen me on Punked and yep. I was like so flattered that a dude that I recognized from TV knew who I was. Yeah. And then we became fast friends. Yeah, I thought you were fantastic on yeah. the show. I mean, you really sold it. I want to get into that too. Back to the apartment. Yeah, yeah, I got it. Here's why I remember it. There was a gang in the neighborhood. Yep, the Santa Monica Trace. I don't know if you should have, maybe we'll bleep that out later. <laughs> Um, I think they've disbanded. They've all grown up, I think. Are you keeping track of them? Well, this no. Band, when I'm in, occasionally when I'm in Santa Monica, I drive down that alley to see if they're still there. And I, for years, I haven't seen them out there. And in fact, the last time I saw a couple of the gang members, it was when I rented a U-Haul truck to move away from Sam from uh, Santa Monica 12 years ago. And two of the dudes worked at U-Haul, and they were like in managerial positions. And I was like, oh, good. They're... <laughs> <laughs> they seem to have found a road out of this. Thank God. Yeah. But I remember you. they said something to you. Something happened. This is when I first said, oh, boy. Because I was in this apartment when you were telling me this story. <laughs> mm -hmm. And this gang member, they tried to mug you. Yes. And most people, I'm going to give you an example of what would happen if a gang came up to me and said, give me your money. Here. Yeah. <laughs> right. Immediately here. Right. Take my clothes. I'll walk off naked so you know I'm not lying to you. I want to live. Yes. But you don't do that. You said something. Well, now like, I would. Now I Now you have would. children and things. But, yeah. But you, I think your your approach was... Dude, I'm going to tell you right now. I'm going to beat you senseless. Well, my specific line was, you got the wrong white boy. <laughs> That's exactly right. I remember yeah. that, yeah. And I understood why they felt the way they did. But I had, you know, I lived in downtown Detroit for a while. And, and I'd met a lot of folks in California. They're much different than the folks I grew up with, which is great. I hope my kids are like kids in California. Like, they don't fight every Friday night at the movies. They, right. You know, way more peaceful and loving and... One of my best friends here in L.A., you, you know him well, Jess. He was the fucking homecoming king of his high school, and he was openly gay. Like, that could that would have never happened in the town I grew up in. Right, me neither. So anyways, I honestly felt like it was an honest appraisal of I was letting this guy know, like, hey, I didn't go to Santa Monica High School. This is going to be a different experience for you. Yeah, it's like someone going up to Michael Jordan and saying, hey, let's play some basketball. I'm like, dude, yeah, 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 yeah. you're messing with the wrong. Well, yes. that, that wouldn't hold up. It doesn't that, really work. Yeah, maybe work. like a Bruce Lee Bruce could Lee. plug into this somehow. Yeah. 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 <laughs> let's, let's, let's change the Jordan. It's Bruce to, Lee. Now, now it's Bruce. So this now guy, it's circa 68. <laughs> this guy comes up to you. Yeah. 
But but a couple of contextual things that are relevant. A, it's three in the morning on Sunday night. Uh, Bree's out of town working in Detroit with my family. I am annihilated. I am super drunk, and I had walked. The whole reason I'm out on the streets is I walked to the Chevron gas station to buy some cigarettes. And I'm walking back, and that happens. That I can I can like feel someone following me. I turn around, and it's this dude who I recognize from the gang because I see them all the time. And he's like, "What's up, dude? Why don't you give me some money?" And I'm like, "Oh, I don't, I don't, I don't have any money." He's like, "Then give me them fucking cigarettes you just bought." And then it escalated from there. He pulled up his shirt and put his hand in his waistband like he was getting a gun. And I then punched him. And then this led to me being on top of him in Santa Monica Boulevard. And it got really, really bad. You saw the photos. Well, that's what right. Because at first I was like, man, this is a great story. He's exaggerating. It's a, story. It's, yeah, 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 it's yeah. a hyperbole. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I saw the picture of you. The police photos. At first I saw a picture of the guy and his mm-hmm. face looked like... Uh, you know, like he was my character in Guardian, CGI'd. <laughs> and then I just see a picture of you, and you have this scowl on your face. And this, your hand was swollen. You had broken yeah, your I hand by hand. hitting him so hard. Uh-huh. And that's when I go, oh, man, let's get out of this fucking apartment. Let's go to my house, <laughs> the nice house in Laurel Canyon. <laughs> get the uh, fuck out of here, dude. Well, so, yeah, the abridged version of that story is uh, all that happens. Um, he keeps following me. He follows me to my apartment. I, I hit him again. Then uh, I think I've gotten away. And then as I'm going up my stairwell, I look behind me, and I see that he sees what stairwell I've gone up. Uh-huh. I go inside. I call my girlfriend in Detroit. I'm telling her, like, oh, my God, one of those dudes tried to mug me. I'm, like, covered in blah, blah, blah. And as I'm saying that, a cinder block comes through the window of the bedroom. And I hear all these footsteps running towards my apartment. And he has gone to his gang, and they are now coming to the apartment. And I quickly deadbolt the door, grab my shotgun, hang up on my girlfriend, call 911. And when 911 says let 911. Me, let me give you an example. I want to be 911 right okay, now. Okay, yeah. 911 emergency. Don't fucking come in this apartment. I'll fucking kill whoever fucking comes in this okay, apartment. Okay, okay, sir. Sir, you have, don't come you have in a there. shot. You have a shotgun here, yes, sir. And they're banging on the Jeez. door. They're kicking the door, and I'm screaming, "Don't come in! I'll fucking oh kill you! God. Don't come in!" And the the nine one one operator is um, saying all kinds of shit. Luckily, she just gets police Dispatched. coming immediately. And this goes on what was probably thirty seconds in real life, um, but of course felt like five minutes of them kicking the door, me screaming, "I'll shoot." Um, and then you hear police sirens. Thank God, Santa Monica, three in the morning on a Sunday. There's cops everywhere, and they're there in a, a minute. And then all the dudes run out of the stairwell, and they scatter, and the cops grab everyone. And then I then have like a little moment of sobriety where I kind of start putting together what the scenario looks like, which is there's about 80 beer cans by my lazy boy. I'm holding a shotgun. I'm covered in blood. And I'm like, this looks really bad. So now I start quickly throwing all these beer guns under the sink. I put the shotgun away right then, knock at the door. The police come in. And they're like, you jumped that guy downstairs? And I'm like, no, I did not jump that guy. And I tell them what happens. But while this is going on, they're running that guy's ID. He had already been arrested twice for mugging people. So my st- version of the story got very credible really quickly. Right. And then we went downstairs. They took all these photos of us, which you, I then showed you. They arrest the dude. The next morning I wake up. I'm hungover. My hand's broken so bad. And uh, the police call me. And this detective is telling me, uh, so I just got done interviewing your your guy. Uh, it was his birthday, by the way. 
Uh, it was a guy's birthday. Yes, it was a guy's birthday. So he was partying on his birthday. He was also he was mugging on his morning. birthday. Yeah, yes, <laughs> he wanted to celebrate my mugging <laughs> someone. And uh, I said, okay. I go. He goes, um, look. You know, he's a member of this gang. You really need to leave that apartment. And I go, there's that's not an option. Like I don't have any money for a down payment. Like we live month to month. But there's no way. I, I, that's not an option. And he goes. Well, you got to find a way to get out of that apartment. And I go, I'm telling you right now, I, we can't leave this apartment. I go in the, and my girlfriend comes home every night at three in the morning when she gets off work being a waitress and she drives through this alley with the gang in it. I'm like, I don't know what to do. And he goes, listen, I would not normally advise this, but you need to talk to whoever the leader of that gang is and say, I will drop charges against him, but I can press charges for the next seven years. So if you leave us alone, I won't press charges. And I was like, okay, I'll do that. <laughs> Uh, First of all, you're- I still haven't been to the doctor even yet to get. I ended up in a cast. Luckily, I was going to UCLA at the time, and I had free medical for that period, and they I got a cast at, on campus. <laughs> First of all, you- <laughs> you're- First of all, you're the worst. I mean, you're worse than the Poltergeist family. Mm-hmm. I mean, get out, dude. When I, I said that I know, we couldn't, know, like we didn't know. have any money. I, I got you know. It. I, I bet it. we had like a grand. So in you the went bank. up to the gang. So I went to Junior, the leader of the gang. That's its own story. First I had of all, a yeah, shotgun okay, in the yeah, car. Yeah. Yeah, uh, somehow you got that. the junior. Well, I, all I did is got in my car and pulled out of my parking spot, and they were all in the alley, and I hey. looked out my window. I was like, oh, <laughs> no shit. Hey, you guys. There you are. You guys, I think you guys were over last night ha- kicking my door in. Happy belated? Yeah. And I basically said, like, hey, I'll drop charges against your boy if you agree not to fuck with me or my girlfriend. And, and then junior said, okay. And then I said, okay, so we're cool. And he just stared at me. It was like a moment in the movie. I go, so we're cool? And he just looked at me, and I was like, he's not going to give me that much. That I just have to drive away now. And then I just drove away. And then, to their credit, they never did anything to me. I would see they them all the you, time. Like, hey. I think, weirdly, they respected me. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That was not my last interaction with that guy, though. I had another interaction with the same guy two years later. Inside of you is brought to you by Shopify. You know I use Shopify. You guys go on the, you know, inside of you online store and you see how easy it is to navigate for you. It's so amazing. Shopify, I can't think of anyone else that would do this uh, the right way like Shopify does. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify's there to help you grow. It's so easy to navigate. And when you want to add discounts, like for instance, I just had a discount where I put uh, Michael 15 and that was my discount code. How much of a percent? 15% off the total order. Easy. Adding products. It's so easy. You put a picture. You just upload a picture. You put a description. It, it, it does everything for you. And the analytics are so easy to use. Uh, this is the most selling product. Oh, I should get more of those. This is the least selling product. This is how much I made for this month compared to last year or last month. It's so easy to navigate. I feel like a pro. And Shopify has really helped me do that. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. 
Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash inside, all lowercase. Shopify.com slash inside now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash inside. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I don't know how many times I have to talk about this, but it's so important. If you're sitting there right now and you're stressed or you're anxious or you have a lot on your mind and you just bottle it up and you don't know what to do, it's going to come out and it's not going to come out in great ways all the time. Um, BetterHelp has helped me substantially. Ryan here has been using it for a while. And I, you know, don't you notice when you don't use BetterHelp? When you don't have therapy? Oh, the weeks where I miss a session? Of course, yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's like the more you talk about something, even if you don't think you have anything to talk about, things come up and it puts your mind at ease. And we all carry around different stressors, you know, big and small. And at times we keep carrying them around rather than processing them and letting them go. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. Therapy from BetterHelp is helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. It's for all of us. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. I think people think, oh, what if I don't like my therapist? If you don't, you switch them. It's that easy. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com inside today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash inside. I had quit smoking that morning, and so I just barely made it through the day. I was so irritable, right, and angry. And um, Bree and I go to bed, and I am wearing, uh, I'm shirtless, and I have heart pajamas on that my mom got me for Sounds Valentine's normal. Day. They're beautiful. Oh, nice. They're red with white hearts all over them. And also, it should be said, I, I became really good friends with the people that live below us, which was like five kids between the ages of five and, and 17, all living in one house, in a one-bedroom apartment. And we were, they were lovely. So I, I knew them really well. Laying in bed. I'm like, oh, I just barely made it through this day. Tomorrow will be easier. As I'm thinking this, I hear like blood curdling screaming. And Bree's like, what is that? I, I jump out of bed. I run out of the apartment. I run oh. down the stairwell. I turn the corner. Uh, it's the girls who live downstairs are screaming at the top of their lungs because uh, in a car in the driveway, the driver's holding his nose, bleeding. And then the passenger's being pulled out of the window by the dude wow, who tried I to do mug know me the story good god and i'm about 60 feet from them i i yell hey and he like looks up he's holding the guy and i go i'm gonna fucking teach you a lesson like i can't <laughs> wait because again i quit smoking and i this is the perfect how, how, how long ago me. after like two years oh, two years yeah 
I go, I'm going to fucking teach you a lesson. He lets go of the guy. He starts running down Euclid Street, and I start chasing him barefoot, shirtless, in my my heart. The cops have already been called before I even went downstairs, right? So as I get to Broadway, uh, he's turned left on Broadway. And then now, I, and by the way, he's running faster. He's got shoes on, and I'm barefoot, and I'm right. very. You've already beat him up once. Yeah, but also I have very weak soles in my feet. Like I'm not one of these people that can walk barefoot around a campsite. It's very sensitive. So I'm not. I'm probably only running about seventy percent as fast as I can run. Not even relevant to the story. The point is, is by the time I turn the corner onto Broadway, there's a cop car coming at me. They fly up onto the curb they jump out they're yelling at me to get down but i'm screaming no the guy's that way and then they pull their guns and i'm like oh i gotta lay down right now i lay down right now they come over they pick me up they put their hands behind my back and i'm going okay i know what this looks like but i just gotta tell you the guy you're after he's he's running <laughs> that way and then like the other guy's kind of clearing like getting a description of what the assailant is and it's not a six three white dude in heart-shaped pajamas <laughs> And so I start describing what he looks like, and then as I'm describing what he looks like, it occurs to me, oh, my God, I have photos of him in my apartment. And I say to them, oh, I have pictures of him. And they go, okay. That's weird. Why why do you have pictures of him? Are you guys friends? And I go, no, no, he tried to mug me a couple years ago. I got the pictures from the police. So they come over to the apartment. I go inside, I get the pictures that you've seen, and I hand them to the cops, and they turn them over to look, and they start laughing so hard. I've never seen two cops laugh this hard. I just don't think under any circumstance what they were expecting was like the photos I had of him or he had been hit by a bus. I mean, you could barely recognize him, whatever. They left with the photos for like a half hour, and then they brought them back, and they never caught the dude. But nothing actually weird happened while you were over, right? You were just no. learning the history I, well, of that Well, I wanted place. to get away. Yeah, of course. I wanted to get yeah, away. Yeah, hey, natural. let's go hit the Sky Bar. <laughs> uh, let's go have a drink somewhere. I don't feel comfortable. Yeah. So, so you I, were, I do want to just, I, I feel obligated to say, I don't condone any of that behavior. Yeah, it's not like you tried to get mugged. It's not like you tried to defend. But even more than that, my reaction was not right. That could have gone another way. Like, he could have actually had a gun. I could be dead over that. There's all kinds of... that, that The gang could have got in the apartment. I just... I feel obligated to say, I, as a kid, was around a lot of violence... Uh, both domestically and just around it, and I was scared of it. And I, as an adult, was screaming to the world, don't fuck with me, I can protect myself, don't take advantage of me, I'm not a victim. So these are things I don't feel anymore, so I don't really react that way anymore. But I will say... I don't condone it, and I was reacting that way because I was expecting shit like that to happen all the time, and I wanted to prove to those people that I wasn't a victim. Does were, that make sense? Yes, it makes sense to me. Yeah, it makes absolute sense. You were you you say you had a, a you know domestic some domestic violence or whatever. I know your mom was married four times. My mom's married three times. My sister's about to get married for her fourth time. Good, good. Uh, so we have a lot of similarities. Sure, sure. Uh, sure. A lot of dysfunction there. You had uh-huh. a lot of you had different. Yeah. Da- uh, you had three stepdads. I'd like to name one of them. I don't know their names. I'm just going to say uh, Chuck, Bill, and Frank. Those are close. So um, uh, my dad's Dave. Of course. Uh, uh, Greg was my first stepdad. Rick was my second Rick. stepdad. Okay. That's a perfect stepdad. Good, name. Rick. And then Dave, again, is my current stepdad, who my mom's been married to for 25 years. Right. Who's the most lovely guy yeah. on the planet. So, again, as I'm getting older and as I have kids, my, my judgment of all those situations is changing a bit because my mom was 23 when she was getting too. married again. 23 you, when my mom had me. My dad oh, was eight. My dad was 18. 
Okay, yeah, I actually had this wrong. My mom had my brother at 18, then she had me at 23, then she was divorced from my dad at 26, remarried at 27. So, she's like, a kid, it, 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 she was such a kid, and she's got these two kids, and she has to support them. So, yeah, she didn't pick a great dude. And what do you, what do, you do in Oakland City, Michigan? <laughs> Oakland County, Michigan? Whatever. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> we were in Highland in Oakland County, Michigan. Yeah, so that first one, who's my sister's dad, was a bat, was a bad dude. Uh, and then the second stepdad was bad in a different way. He was super type A and controlling. Uh, but again, I got to give those guys some credit. They were fucking 27 as well, and they were taking on two kids that weren't theirs. I doubt my brother and I were easy. Uh, you know, the whole situation. Well, that's what I'm, I'm dealing with, too, is like the older you get, it's easier to just forgive and just to be accepting, you know, because, yeah. uh, you know, it's like my dad, he's, he's 65 now, and. I didn't talk to him for a year. We got into a confrontation last year, and it was just ugly. It was over kickball. Yes. It was over, was the ball foul? Was yeah, I remember fair? you telling me this. Yeah, and story. it just got really ugly. Something tells me the argument wasn't really about the foul. No, it was more of a, there's always been a competition. <laughs> you know, if he ever listens to this, he'll he'll know. Like, you know, and I and I just, he got in my face, and my brother was there, and it was just ugly, and I didn't talk to him for a year. And then I, I realized, like, you know, then he tried to call me recently, and uh, I didn't answer, but I sent him an email and I said, here's kind of how I think. Here's what I want to talk to you right now. I just kind of let it, you know, said, this yeah. is the deal. This is the deal. I don't expect you to change. I'm not living in fairy lands. I mean, you kind of are, but yes. Yeah. But I just, I just, I'm like, Hey, you know, you got a son who's sort of successful, who's having a lot of fun. I just, uh, you know, I, I try to be a good guy. I, why don't you enjoy it instead of yeah. like having this. And so, you know, I think he's now that my grandfather has Alzheimer's, he's kind of turned over a new leaf. My dad's like, he calls me. He's for the first time. He's like, how are you doing? What's going on in your life? What's it's your like, dad? Like, I, like I, he, he's never Did asked me guys... if I'm dating someone. He's never said I let all that shit. So I sure. just, but now it's like maybe he's turning over. And I think there's something with my grandfather since he has Alzheimer's and doesn't remember a lot mm -hmm. that now they have this connection or he like yeah. wants to have a connection because my grandfather doesn't mem maybe remember everything that my dad remembers. So there's yeah. this new, I don't know what that is. That's psychological. That's sure. Freudian, whatever. Um, right. So, but I've learned to just. It's best to just let Well, let go. me ask you this. Did, were you a contrarian with your dad all growing up? Like, did you guys butt heads from the yes, get-go? Yes, he was, uh, he was a 1420 SAT, brilliant guy, science guy, uh -huh. chemist, kind of ran a company, never was late to work, and I was a goofy, dumb, colorblind. So I'm just color getting guessed, though, is that you were a know-it-all. You probably had much no. different opinions than he did. I just And was... then your opinions ended up bearing a lot of fruit. Well, you're, that's weird. That's a weird thing for a dad to have, to, especially a dad who's right quite often because he's really smart. To have to to acknowledge your success would be to acknowledge that you were right. Maybe, but I remember, you know, I was the kid that was like, "Hey, Dad, look, Park spelled backwards is crap." Uh huh. You know, you're a shithead. I, well, I was just wasn't the brightest kid, maybe, or <laughs> okay. just ADD, and I didn't know what to do with it then. So right. I was just, oh, he's not like me. He's not smart. My brother Eric was smarter, so my dad kind of, you know, and gravitated. And, and I understand that now. But Eric also has a much different uh, personality than you that seems to me to be more conducive to being like dad's little buddy. Is that accurate? Yes. You know, I, I wrote this down because I want to talk about it because I've always thought of you as the only friend really that's sort of my therapist. That's free therapy. <laughs> no, I do because you, you, you know me and you say shit. And I'm like, even though sometimes I want to say, fuck you, man. Yeah. You kind of Well, like, I'm kind of harsh on you. You are. I'm harsh on you the way I am with Jess. Uh, who we talked about the one of my best friends because i think we're so similar 
And then I put a lot of time into thinking about some of the certain things that we all do that are, are destructive to ourselves. And so I'm, I always feel like, well, Hey, I love you. And then I'm in a hurry to kind of tell you like, Oh my God, I bet this is the same thing I was doing. But I, 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 yeah, I don't beat around the bush. Well, so I I'll just say some really direct stuff you to do. you, and then I'll be on the way home. I'm like, that might have sounded a little harsh. but Well, I remember one time I was talking to you, and I was like, yeah, I don't know. I think this guy stole my idea for the script, and uh, I don't know, man. I don't know what to do. And you're like, is it the only idea you're going to have, dude? Right. I'm like yeah. what? Yeah. I go. I don't. I don't think so. It's like then. Fuck it. Why waste the stress and the time? That and it, it became a huge TV show. I should have sued the guy. But uh, <laughs> but, but most of the <laughs> most <laughs> but most of the therapy you've given uh, me has been pretty accurate. Someone said that to me, which was great. Someone at the Groundlings said, uh, you know, I had thought someone stole something from me. They may or may not have. It doesn't matter. Uh, but I thought that, and he said, "Look, if this is the only good idea you're ever going to have, then you should go to the mat and fight for it. <laughs> right. But if you think you're, you're you have endless good ideas, then fuck, keep it moving." And that was great advice. Thank God I got early on. And everybody steals. Everybody's. By the way, ideas don't, are not worth a fucking thing. That's, That's the true. misconception that people have in America. Like, I got a great idea for a movie. Um, a million people have thought about it. Execution is what's priceless. Execution. You see t 10 people make the movie about the same exact thing. And one of them is Pulp Fiction. And the other one is 10 heads in a fucking duffel bag or whatever the hell that movie right, is. You right. know, it's all about execution. There's so many things that are like, the idea blows really if you boil it down to one sentence. But the fucking movie's amazing. What the hell is Flirting with Disaster about? I don't, you know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't see. I don't think I saw that one. You haven't seen Flirting no, with Disaster? No, is it a good movie? Oh, it's amazing. I've missed a lot of gems. Yeah, it's tied for probably top three comedies for me of all time. What's no one and two? Um, Slapshot prob is probably Fletch and Raising Arizona. Yeah, those are good ones. Yeah, I'd say yeah. Slapshot for me. You love Slapshot, but you also love hockey, so love it combines hockey. a couple of your passions. Yeah, so I'm going to go back to this. So you, 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 you fought as a kid. You were a tough guy. You went. Your parents went through a lot of divorce you went through a lot of divorce yeah, yeah, and yeah. shit like that and sure. then you were you know cutting people's hair giving them mohawks in high school <laughs> sure, uh -huh. so how did someone say or how did you feel one day like i'm still i'm funny there's something with me that's different from everybody else i got something i'm talented i'm so what what got you out of michigan well not I, that you can't be talented in michigan right <laughs> but you probably can't launch a acting career in michigan maybe not yeah yeah i don't think it's been done many times although there is this weird movement i just learned about it recently but there's the guys from detroiters that are from detroit uh keem peel are from detroit <laughs> so now it's kind of happening but at any rate in elementary school very dyslexic went to special ed um people called me a retard i was not getting any attention through raising my hand and having the correct answer that wasn't happening so i was getting attention by being a smart ass so i was i thought at least I was funny all through school right. and um, I made tons of jokes and I did think at a certain point um, I didn't want to do stand-up I really liked watching stand-up I thought maybe how I old was, were you when you when you figured I think out. about 15 I started watching Comedy Central was now on and there they would just do those blocks of like a half hour of comedians five minutes and chunks. who was the funny guy that you were like oh god that guy's funny I want to I want to meet that guy I want to be like that guy I don't even know that there will. It's like a 10-year-old. I love Andrew Dice Clay. Me too. Oh, I love No him. one talks about him anymore. I know. I showed Chris. Kristen is five years younger than me, so she totally missed the Andrew Dice Clay thing. And then obviously it's so uh, un-PC to like him, but I showed her his original stuff, his nursery rhymes, and she fucking Do you remember any of the nursery does, rhymes? She does them now. Let me, hear, so let me hear one that she does. Well, what one is just hickory dickory dack. This chick is sucking my cack. Oh, hey! 
My favorite is tree blind mice. See how they run. Where the fuck are they going? <laughs> to me. Rosemary, oh. you do so many good impersonations. Yeah. Well, you do. Oh, you do too. You do. You, I do Owen Wilson now because of you because it was in my. It was like in well, my, we in both my... have this thing where we impersonate each other doing your impersonations. So, yeah, there's a few. I do Harry Carey, but solely based on your Harry I Carey. I grew up with, like, listen to Harry Carey. Yeah. Give I know me, the one that a... I know the one that you do. You know the yeah, one. Go you, ahead. Do you, it. You go, do it. Do it. Uh, you go. Jose Concepcion, born in Havana, Cuba, where the sun shines 365 days a year. <laughs> this is a pop-up in the sunshine. Hey! Is that, is that, that's that's, that's exactly does. what you say, though, right? That's yeah. your go-to sentence. Yeah, and you know what he did? You know, Harry Carey was great. He was an announcer for the Cubs, for those of you who are watching or listening or care to listen. But he he was great because everything he said, like, he was he didn't care about the game. He was like, you ever open up oh, a, I know a box of Cracker Jacks? <laughs> This has got to be the most asinine thing I've ever. Here's a trickling ground ball to say over to Durham for the hell. Yeah, you know, you open a box, Steve. You open a box of Cracker Jack. You come from humble origins as a child, and there's no prize inside. This has got to be the most. Here's a pop up over to Durham on the right side. Hey, the Shepherd family is here from Dryson, Illinois. Hey, check out the guy in the sombrero. I just love that. You ever opened a box of Cracker Jacks? <laughs> do do Owen Wilson for me. <clears throat> okay, it's been a long time since I did, but I always get into it with the same line. Do you remember the line I get into him with? Oh, oh it's like, <clears throat> I was an asshole like Mom gets such a great kitchen. What's the line from um, Bottle Rocket, I think? <laughs> like it well, it's been a while since I did him. Here's the thing I always think is kind of crazy. He's like, you ever notice that when... Certain friend comes over and is like, used to party together, maybe like in the early 2000s. It's like, it's kind of counterintuitive, you know. You know, we used to powder our nose, remember? It's like <laughs> dueling Owen Wilson's here. There was a period there where I, when I had done Idiocracy that I could do Luke really well to, to Owen. And then I would, um, a couple times in stand up, I would do those two arguing. I can't do it anymore, though. So, okay, so you're watching Comedy Central and you're 15 years old. Yeah, and I'm thinking I could, uh, I don't even know that I thought I could do it. I thought I wanted to do it. But then I was just too afraid to try it. I just couldn't muster up the, the courage to do it in Detroit. So I thought, okay, if I move all the way to California, then I will have to do it. So I moved out here. And with the goal, really, of just doing stand-up and then... No I, training, really. No, anything. no, no, no. Hadn't read a book. I just simply yeah, watched it on TV. Still. When I got here, I found out about the Groundlings. And I also had had a very long time love of Saturday Night Live, like so many of us. And at that time, Will Ferrell had just left the Groundlings and Jerry O'Terrian and joined the SNL cast. And Chris... Uh, uh, Chris, uh, Chris Cooper, Chris Cooper, yes, Chris, 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 Chris Cooper, Christopher Cross, Christopher Cross, Christopher Cross had just left the ground. So <laughs> uh, SNL. Yeah. Arthur, he does as he pleases. Isn't that amazing? You look at that guy, you hear his voice. It's like an angel. And then you look at him. It looks like my sister's <laughs> well, husband. You know, he was on Stern talking about it. It broke my heart. You know, they simply wouldn't let him appear on his album. Covers. Such bullshit. I know. I mean, it was probably very smart marketing wise because the women were imagining basically Kenny Loggins when yeah. they thought of him. Maybe he should have grown a beard. That would have helped probably. Yeah. But he was bald too, right? He, he had some. Yeah. He had some yeah, balding he, issues. He, yeah. 
I had found out about this place, the Groundlings, and I thought, oh, I'll audition for that because then you're at least out there with other people, right? It, Groundlings is sketch and improv, and uh, you have to be in a scene with other people. So I, that that was less scary to me. Right. So then I got on this Groundlings trajectory, and that takes a long time to go through that program. So I think, you know, it took me about five years before I was in the Sunday company doing a show every Sunday. And during that whole phase, all the other groundlings were like auditioning for commercials. So I thought, oh, I can, I can do that. That kind of was like, oh, I could be an actor in a commercial capacity. Um, and then I I shifted my whole focus, which is I got to get on Saturday Night Live. Like, that's what I want to do now. So for five years, that's all I want to do. And then I was auditioning for commercials and not booking barely any of them. And then on stage at the groundlings, I was acting for the first time and I loved it. Like, it was so much fun. And I thought, oh, I really like this. But at the same time, I was also learning to write sketches. And I was shooting, like, shorts to play on the TV inside the uh, the theater in between sketches. Right. I was just learning all these things all at the same time. Writing, directing, and acting. And I liked all of them, you know. And so a producer saw you they, in something? I had no agent for 90% of those 10 years. It was this when you were doing your Wilford Brimley? Yes, I was doing Wilford Brimley. Um Quite gross. Oh, yeah. Boy, he said. How does he? How does he pronounce diabetes? Diabetes. That's right. Yeah. Diabetes. Because the sketch was like, <laughs> "Oh, America, it's me." Any, any, you know, a good impersonation when you have to say the person's name. So I would go. The sketch would start with me going, "Oh, America, it's me, Wilford Brimley." It's going to be a record cold winter this year, so when you're bundling up your little ones, make sure you warm them up with an extra thick bowl of Quaker oats. It's good. It's wholesome. It's goddamn American. Cut. Wilford, I think you threw a goddamn in there. Nope. No, I didn't. And then I, I would just, we'd be filming that commercial, oh, and there'd be take it. after take, and he'd just swear progressively worse. Anyways... I didn't have an agent, uh, and and so they were just calling in anyone who did improv to audition for punk, which wasn't called punk then. But I went in, and then I went on eight different callbacks over the course of like three months, and then finally after the at the end of three months, eight callbacks. What were they yes. making you do? Just give me a quick example of that. I want to hear. They that. would make you basically just play improv games, and they were kind of trying to mix match and build this perfect team. According to Ashton, I wasn't on like the third callback and he saw me on a tape and said, why, let's call this guy back. You know, maybe that's true. Maybe it's not. Does this sound suspicious? Let me ask you something. Yeah. When you're directing Hit and Run or Chips or a movie or TV, whatever, do you ever go, go, you know what? There's nobody here, but let's look at those old tapes that, you, that I, nobody liked anybody. See if anybody's I in there. I personally haven't done it, but that's not to say. <laughs> I'm not calling him a liar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Saying, I wouldn't probably do that. That's exactly right. I wouldn't probably do that. But but then again, he's a very hardworking dude. Yes, you he You cannot is. take that away from him. And that was his first TV show he produced. So he, he, might, he may have sat there and fucking watched sure. every single tape. But at that point, why not just go to the audition? But whatever. It doesn't matter. So he brings you in again. He brings me in. And he and I kind of like each other right away. I think he he started showing up on like maybe the fourth audition of these eight auditions. And so we kind of saw eye to eye. Um, he's from Iowa. He was a big drinker then. We loved women. There was just a good, sure. like, immediate connection. And then they assembled this team of four of us. We went away and we did the pilot. I was like, oh, my God, finally. I'm 28 now. I'm finally going to be on a TV show. 
and then the show got sued. The pilot got sued, and then I sat around for another year while they settled this case in what, court. What were you doing it for that year? Literally running out of. I, I remember the Christmas before fighting they ordered games. it. <laughs> no, I had a, I had broke my shoulder in a dirt bike accident. I was. You were the real character in Chips. Yeah, yeah you were yes, that real yes, guy. That's pretty much what I was doing, and. Uh, and then when we came back to do the series, I was the only one brought back. And then they had picked up Al Shear in that one year, who was also on the first season of Punked. Al Jazeera? Al Jazeera, yeah, who oh, then started oh. a network in uh, Qatar. Yeah, nice. Very successful. Very successful. Yeah, very, very successful. Very honest. And then so what, what had been a really long time of struggling to get an acting job then got really accelerated. Then it got unfair. I got very lucky because it went straight from punk to without a paddle and then idiocracy yeah. and Zathur. And then I was like, got to do a ton of stuff. Your mom named you. I didn't know this. She named you Dax. Uh, there was a novel called The Adventurers. I didn't I didn't read this. I'm not aware. But based, your name was based on a rich playboy? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, he was a South American revolutionist rich playboy who uh, had a way with the ladies. And I'm, say, I'm asking that because ironically or... But you've you, seen the posters in my house. I have posters. Yes, from but the I original read, movie. I wasn't original. I wasn't aware of that. You know. Yeah. So yes, it was called The Adventures, and the, and they made a movie that Ernest Borgnine was in, and then my friend Jess, who we've now talked about three times, uh, tracked down one of the original posters for me, and it's at the house. So would you say that she named you that? You had a lot to live up to, and then something you sort of became a playboy in a lot, in a lot of ways. <laughs> Well, <laughs> I mean, until you just like we get to, we're going to talk. I want to talk about that, but like they're not conquests. I'm saying you've had a lot of fun in your life. You've met a lot of women. Sure. Well, I never thought I was good looking. Uh, so, but I thought I was funny, and I was a good dancer, and I thought I was really good with ladies. Wait, like I could talk you're to a good ladies. Dancer? Yeah, really good dancer. Okay. We've danced together. Yeah, we've danced. Yeah. I don't even, let, let me just say, I don't even know that I'm a great dancer. I had a total willingness to dance at all times, which is appealing to young girls. And so um, I pathologically would try to find a pretty girl that I thought would never like me because I'm ugly. And then I would prove to myself that she did like me. And then when she liked me, it never satisfied that. So I'd find another girl I thought was pretty. And oh, if this girl would like me, then I would feel... Uh, whole and good and then this just went on and on and on until i was eventually sleeping with people i'd like worshipped from movies and i was like still feel shitty <laughs> so i need to try so another help. approach yeah i'm sure you had some fun along the way oh my god it was wonderful but i'm just saying it was it was more complicated than just um i like pussy and these girls were hot that's certainly part of it but there was also a, like trying to fill a big hole again ther there's some therapy here they, we do have a lot of there, there are similarities. And what's so funny too is that you're clearly a good-looking guy. They don't I put don't see that. Well, freaks on TV uh, yeah. in lead roles. They I, just listen, don't. hang on. I was CGI'd in the last movie. I was Lex Luthor. They made me <laughs> shave my head and wear tons of makeup. How fucking good-looking am I? Look, I don't look at me no, and go, I can "You're hideous." You, look, I just don't think I'm like. As you it. know, I'm really good friends with Bradley Cooper. I do. I've we've worked mm -hmm. with him. That's right. Thank you. Sexiest man alive. Like yeah. he gets the cover. Yeah. He's sleeping with every beautiful woman right i got page 56 of sci-fi weekly convinced he's not good looking it doesn't matter what you look like it, it, it there, there's no correlation between physically what you look like and how you feel you look there, those things aren't related and i think to myself quite often i'm so fucking spoiled i'm six three and blonde and i live in america like if i, if I can't have high self-esteem <laughs> who the fuck can yeah 
You know? Yeah. It's brutal. You know, I'm I think only... people under just underestimate in general how hard it is to be a human being. So you're saying, but in a lot of ways, it's really, it, it is confidence. It's confidence or it's, you know, we used our comedy. We were kind of funny. We, well, that's it's how kind I of like spell. acting. Make you, them laugh. You, you, click into, you click into this mindset where you convince yourself you're somebody momentarily, and then it bears fruit. And you're like, holy shit, I did that. You know, I would walk up to a girl. I'm like, mm, this girl's way too hot for me. I'm not nearly good looking enough. But I'm talking fast, and I made her laugh, and now she's laughing again, and this is happening, this is happening. And then I'm like kind of oh, swelling with like, oh, she doesn't even see anymore. Well, by the way, thank God women are the way they are because they will – Go home with a six if he's really funny. <laughs> well, the, the joke that you he always say that I loved is you go, well, I'm a six in looks, but I'm a ten in personality, so I'm a solid eight. Yeah, the women, yeah, they they average your looks and personality subconsciously, so they think their eyes are actually seeing an eight. But a, another dude would be able to look at me and go, oh yeah, yeah, yeah no, yeah, yeah, he's right, he's a six. I'm a, <laughs> I, it's so true. I want to bring this up. You dated Kate Hudson, okay? The only reason I want to bring it up is because a very cool story came out of it. Uh, you told me that Oliver, I think Oliver Hudson, her brother, told you this story about them as kids in a car with Kurt Russell. Oh, yeah. And I love this story. Yeah, so definitely a highlight of that whole period was getting to know Kurt Russell, who uh, was your idol. It's very rare that people live up to the, what you've made them out to be in your mind when you when you know them. Sylvester from, Stallone for me did, and Kurt yeah, Russell Probably for, for me, Kurt, yeah. Yeah. A lot of these people I've met, and I'm like, oh, that's a bummer. They're not really like that. Of course, I'm, I'm sure people meet me and think I'm a big letdown, too. But at any rate, Kurt Russell is <laughs> fucking every bit as cool as Snake Pliskins he really ever is. was. Yeah, he really is that guy. So, yes, and, and mind you, I heard this story once from Oliver, and I almost didn't believe it. Kind of like when I was telling you about the mugging thing. Mm -hmm. I barely believed it when he told it to me. Uh, but then I asked Goldie directly, like, hey, what happened on that Hawaiian vacation? And then she went through the exact same details. So it 100% happened. So they were all on a family vacation in Hawaii. And apparently they were on some twisty road. And Kirk was tailgating this semi that was going really, really slow. And then finally there was a little opening. And he passed the semi recklessly. And then right around the next turn there was a stoplight. So he gets in front of this semi, and then there's a fucking traffic light. And they're at the traffic light, and Kurt sees that the driver of the semi is out of the truck and coming at the car. And the guy is a huge Hawaiian dude. And so Kurt gets out of the car. He doesn't want to get punched through the window in front of the family. So he gets out of the car, and he, he kind of meets the guy at the back of the car. And he says to the guy, uh, hey, I'm so sorry I passed you. I'm with my family. I don't want any trouble. And the guy says... You know, tough shit, motherfucker. You got trouble. And and Kurt says, uh, please, man, I'm with my family. I don't want anything. He turns around to walk away. The guy pushes him from behind. He pivots, turns, punches the guy in the mouth. The guy goes down to the ground immediately. Blood coming out of his mouth. He reaches into his mouth, and he has a fucking tooth in his hand. And he says... I just got my fucking tooth knocked out by Snake Pliskins. <laughs> Pliskins. <laughs> it's plural. And he fucking, he was stoked that he got dropped by Kurt. Oh, isn't that great? That's the best story ever. So great. God. I love too that he was trying to get out of it. He's trying to be a good family man, but that you just can't lay hands on Snake.
Yeah. You're going you're gonna to be missing a tooth You don't want to mess a snake. Yeah. So, so you can see where I didn't believe that story the first time. Oh, yeah. Okay. I, yeah, because when I asked Goldie, of course, she was like, oh, is the worst. Kurt, the way Kurt drives, you know, it started with how he drives. Right. And then I was like, okay, this is really, this really happened. So you're doing drugs. I remember one night we're doing drugs just to just go to another place here because I want to I get somewhere. We're doing, and we went roller skating. Uh-huh. I smell your part. Yeah, we don't yeah. have to talk about that. No, but uh, that's a, I smell your part is just a, something that sure. That's just that'll be an you. Easter egg. That'll be an Easter egg. Yeah. Hashtag I smell your part. <laughs> but I remember we were. I said, "Can I smell your part?" Can I smell your part? <laughs> uh, we were roller skating at a at the Palladium in Hollywood, California. <laughs> We'd probably gone through a lot of powder. Let me just say too that Rosenbaum at that time were like the quintessential newbie Hollywood oh like guys from Entourage. We were going to every premiere, yeah. any like anytime they were giving away a bar of soap, we were there. Anything <laughs> free, exciting, yeah, it was like the love boat every night. Exactly. Uh, we went to the Palladium. We were, I believe, we could have been in my conversion van. We weren't. I was driving because when you said, "Do you want to smell this part?" You were in the passenger You're seat right, of my car. I was. Yeah, yeah. God, you remember that so vividly. Mm-hmm. I do. I do remember. What car were you driving? Were you driving that thing that you got free from Punk from GM? Yeah, GM gave you a car. Either had an Escalade or a CTSV or something like. That. But I remember we were doing a lot of drugs and a lot of drinking, mm-hmm. and uh, we went roller skating, and it was a lot of fun. But I remember it was about two thirty-three in the morning, and I, we came back to my house, and I said. I have a prescription for Xanax. I am not a good sleeper. I have back issues. I'm going to take a, a half a Xaner, mm-hmm. and I'm going to call it a night. It's almost 3 a.m. Yeah. And you're like, okay. Mm-hmm. And the next morning, I woke up at about <laughs> noon, and uh, a full bottle of Xanax was gone. Uh, there was no thank you note. Oh, uh, and you had gone out. I had out. taken the snort, the rest of the snort. The rest of the snort. Some Xanax, and I think some liquor out of your fridge, like, Four or five. Oh, beers I'm sure. Or yeah. Yeah. yeah, I basically just took everything you. I was had. missing everything from my house <laughs> the next morning. I had yes, to go grocery which, shopping. You know, it's really humiliating. Luckily, I haven't acted like that in 13 years. But yeah, I. Well, I, know, I thought you were dead. I was like, "There's no way if he took." But yeah, I regularly took all those things, and I, I miraculously didn't end up dead. I, I've, I've, I've had friends uh, in sobriety who have died um, doing this exact same combination of things I had done numerous times, like so fucking lucky. It's ridiculous. But, um, yeah, that one of my terrible qualities was if I was fucked up because I did have this, this arrangement with other friends of mine who were equally addictive, like whoever had shit, you did all the shit. So like I, sometimes my friend Scotty would come into my house at four in the morning and take like four hits ecstasy he knew i had that we had bought together and then he would just if you he, have he would re- yeah he'd replace them and then i would do that as well to him so i kind of was in this like hey he's got this shit he, he gets it i need all this stuff tonight and then i'll, I'll replace it <laughs> he gets next it. week or whatever but you didn't really get it it was a little, it was pretty <laughs> weird to wake up and i basically robbed you <laughs> so fucking terrible so no 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 it wasn't a bear i mean look you had an issue but what's amazing to me is i really always say like <laughs> get an issue you know well i was insatiable you're one of these annoying people like my friend nate nate tuck who we both love i love produced hit and run with you yeah i'm not envious of people who um and chips i'm not envious of people who like just don't drink right by nature and i'm not envious of a fellow drug addicts like myself i'm really envious of people who actually can party hard 
and then not have an issue. And that's how Nate is. Nate has been on some of my biggest benders with me, but he would do that once every three months, and it yeah. was just never an issue for him. Right. Or, the, or like you, he would go to bed at 3.30 in the morning. Yeah, I, I knew when to call it quits. I just felt like like maybe it was that you just had a better – you had more stamina. You had more – well, the drugs. A better constitution. <laughs> well, I just – maybe <laughs> – I just – I felt like I was so – I was so tired. Oh, yeah. I was, I was so done. Yeah. And you were ready to go. It's yeah. like you were superhuman. I kind of gained energy the longer it went. Yeah, I think, I think that's what happened. But the way to do it, like if you got to pick from birth, it'd be like, I would love to to have experienced all this partying and then just never had an issue with it, which is kind of what you did. It's pretty miraculous. Yeah, I don't. I just never, I don't know what it is because there's some addiction in my family. We don't have to talk about that. Sure. It's not inside of me. But you have certainly done most of the drugs. I have done a lot of the there. drugs, but I felt like, you know what? Wow, I like this a lot. I think if I do this... You know, if I keep doing this, it's a it's a bad thing. But if I could just do it once every once the in a while, the only really destructive thing you have is this fucking cigarette thing. Are you still smoking cigarettes? Well, no, no, like an occasional cigarette, but I use this little like you know the little the vape thing that gives where you pop, is it? Pop, popcorn. Where gun. the fuck is it? I need a cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I do. I yeah, that's not a good. The vapes are they? I don't think so. I think they're finding out that it's maybe worse, right? But I don't know. Just the word popcorn lung, which apparently it gives you, that sounds disgusting, doesn't it? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Speaking of fucking popcorn in your just, lungs. I'm getting an anxiety attack. <laughs> yeah, really? Totally. I thought I was doing a good thing not smoking and then doing the vapes. You're doing the gum. The gum you've been I, doing I do the years. lozenges. Yeah, I've been on them for 12 years. Lozenges. lozenges. I like that. Lozenges. Um, I don't know how you managed to, like, it, to me, I mean, there's the there's there's stories like Robert Downey Jr. Uh-huh. and you're like oh my god this guy's a train wreck train wreck train wreck train wreck train wreck he's never gonna get it together this guy's done and now right. he's Oscar nominated oh, yeah. amazing talented like, biggest star in the world biggest star in the world and then I look at you and I go I knew you when and I was like dude whether I was at your apartment thinking you're gonna get gang banged <laughs> yeah. or whether I thought you were gonna like cut the wrong guy's hair. Or whether I thought you were going to get fucking, you know, you were going to fuck the, you know. You're gonna Eventually show, you will cut the wrong guy. You're going to show your dick to fucking Kurt Russell and he's going to knock you out. Yeah, I don't know what's going to happen. And you you quit drugs. Mm-hmm. You quit alcohol. Mm-hmm. Completely sober. Quit cigarettes. Quit cigarettes. Mm-hmm. Met a girl. Mm-hmm. Got married. Mm-hmm. Had two kids. Yeah. It's pretty wild. And uh, I'm still friends with Tom Arnold. <laughs> during that whole thing we're both we're both still friends with Tom. Awesome. But, yeah. but it's just it's 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 amazing to me that to me that's like your biggest success your family and what you did to get there and i'm sure like you fight every day to to stay sober i mean is there like one day do you ever no, still feel I, like a beer anymore i don't fight uh being sober largely it's that's not a uh an issue really um but you know being married and having kids require Let's say this. I don't feel a desire to drink because I I do daily work, right? As long as I'm doing preventative stuff, I don't ever feel that way. And the marriage and kids thing is identical. I think a lot of people think you choose right and that's it. And that's so not my case. Maybe other people have that. But in my case, you're daily having to check what you're saying. You're daily having to say, like, am I really mad that she did that or i'm just scared because i think she really doesn't care about you know right if you're if you're not doing all that stuff i feel like the easiest thing that can happen in a relationship is just like uh one layer of resentment then another layer of resentment 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 resentment, resentment, and and then all of a sudden you have 
it's not disdain, but soon as you have contempt for a partner, like there's this great, there's a chapter in a Malcolm Gladwell book in Blink, and it's about thin slicing, right? And how quickly people can make these judgments. Well, there's a guy that's been studying married couples for 20 years at Stanford. I might be getting the college wrong, doesn't matter. He's been recording these couples have an hour long conversation for 20 years. And he asks them to talk about something that normally causes them to fight. And he watches them. And he can predict uh, with 95% accuracy after watching this tape who will get married or who will stay married and who will get divorced. He can predict with 85% accuracy after only watching it for 15 minutes. He, but he can predict with like 80% accuracy within three minutes of watching a couple talk whether they'll get divorced. Of how or they not. interact together. And the number one thing is contempt. So if the guy's like, well, you never come home and she rolls her eyes, she's saying, you're a fucking dumbass. You're labeled in my head as a dumbass. Not you're acting currently like a dumbass. You are a dumbass. And then if he's like, you're fucking crazy. Not currently you sound a little crazy, but I've now labeled you a crazy person. Once two people in a relationship do that it's over it's fucking that's over yeah that's contempt so luckily i read that book when we were first dating <laughs> and i was like this is amazing they've like kind of cracked it they know what will lead to a divorce or at least one big element of it and i said i'm gonna work really really hard to not ever get into contempt with you and i, I urge you to hopefully do the same to me so I would never say my wife's a bitch or my wife's crazy or my wife's you selfish or this it. or that. I'll say it. I've at times said it. she's acting selfishly right now. Right. She's acting narcissistic right now. Now, see, what I want to say is like everybody in America, I mean, you're like America's sweethearts. So, you know, you're like, I mean, people love you. I love you. But but like you see, you're on Ellen and Ellen loves you and sure. all the, and you're everywhere and you're so like very they're, bizarre. They're the perfect couple. Do you ever right. feel like, God, man, if they only knew or if they know some shit? Well, we're very honest about that. We're a perfect couple that started going to couples therapy four months into dating. <laughs> so I don't know how fucking perfect that is. <laughs> you, you know do that. Yeah. So, yeah, I, we try to, um, anytime we're asked about it, dispel this notion that we found our perfect match. That's so not the case. She, she and I are fucking opposites. You know her and you know yeah. me. We couldn't have had a different background. We couldn't have different interests. We couldn't have different concerns and things she's passionate about and I am. There's no, there's no similarity almost. Um, so we're not perfect for each other. Other than what is perfect about us as a team is that we're fucking opposites and we force each other to see the, the other, other side, side of every argument. Right. And that's been really helpful to me. I think I've changed a lot through dating her. Um, because I have to compromise with her daily, you know? And, and so I've definitely grown more towards her and she's grown more towards me, but it was not perfect match made in heaven. Easy. Peasy. So in the beginning, it's not, e it's not easy today. She works a ton. I work a ton. We have two little kids. It's fucking hard. You know, Delta and Lincoln, Delta and Lincoln named after cars. Well, one was named after a car, Lincoln. and then the second one, Burke. you remember DeCastro, the stunt coordinator on both Hit and Run and Chips? Yeah. Yeah. He texted me when he found out we were having a second kid, and he was joking. He said, what are you going to, like, making fun of us naming a girl Lincoln? He said, what are you going to name the next one? Navy SEAL, Delta Force? And I was, like, reading this text out loud to Kristen laughing, and I was like, wait, Delta Force? Delta? That's a pretty fucking beastly name. <laughs> So her name was a joke that <laughs> bit Steve in the ass. That's amazing. Yeah.
How hard is it to like to be a good dad all the time, to be like to have the patience, to be a good husband, to not flip the heck out? I mean, what do you do? Do you, I read somewhere you work out all the time. I think you told me that anyway, but you work out a lot. That's kind of gives you like a, makes you feel happy. Yeah. Yeah. Basically here's what happens. If I feel depressed, which happens, I go, I go through a little checklist in my head and I go, Hmm, did I work out this morning? It's always no. Um, was I of service to another dude who needed help, even if it's 10 minutes a day? Like, there's plenty of guys who I know who are sober who reach out to me, and I, I could choose to be of service and, and talk to them or ignore them. So basically, when I start going through the checklist, and it's like, no, you haven't worked out, and you haven't really helped anyone but yourself lately, um, this, that, I feel like shit. So for me, it's a really simple equation, and I, if I do those things, I generally feel good, and if I don't do those things, I generally hate myself and have low self-esteem. Do you have those on your posties every day where it's like, I'm going to do this, or do you just remember I it? don't. I just now, I think after 13 years of being sober, like I know what it is, and I know whether or not I'm doing it. You know, hmm. For many people I know, kids have this incredible ability to teach you whatever the fucking thing is that you haven't mastered yet. You know, Mine is I'm a control freak. I'm impatient yep. and I want things to go my way. You know, if, if things are not, if I feel like things are out of my control, I start getting panicky and then I get aggressive and I do all these things. And kids are the ultimate exercise and like, you have no fucking control. You would think that you'd be able to put a shirt and pants on a child who's much smaller than you anytime you'd want. That's not the case. Like it, it can take you an hour to put a fucking shirt and pants on a kid and just learning to relax in those situations and just go with the flow and go like, well, they're not going to change. So who's changing the, the one-year-old or Dax? One of us has got to change or it's going to be a miserable outcome. And then learning those patients from those two kids and my wife, that takes a ton of patience. I find that in general, I've gotten way more patient, which is probably my worst intolerable character defect like if you you've been with me in traffic like i i'm so fucking oh, yeah. impatient. I, get, I get i get nervous like yeah, I, yeah it's terrible yeah i don't like that anymore you're not for the most part no i haven't like I, I started slow i started three years ago my new year's resolution was no more screaming at people in the car like i was not allowed yeah. to scream at people does and it then make I, Kristen I, really I, uncomfortable she hates it of course who would like it but other than maybe some of my knucklehead friends from detroit so who are I, also screaming yeah. at the other person so then, then the next year was um, no no hand gestures either. So so I spent a year not yelling at anyone, but flipping people off, all that kind of stuff, waving patronizingly. And so then I knocked that off. And then last year was no more honking my horn. Can't honk my horn at people. No matter what, even if it's a little... No, if someone's stuck at a light, we've been there for 10 seconds, but I'm talking more like honking the horn when you think they're going to get over or they've gotten over so you slam on your horn or whatever. Yeah. I am only allowed to use the horn as it's intended. Like I'm, I'm going to hit somebody or they, they need to look up because of the light screen. So now I'm over honking, yelling, and hitting. Is this through therapy? No, this is through just, You just meetings. will. Yeah, 12-step meetings. 12 probably. Now, is it wrong that I'm actually listening to this and taking this advice? And going, I'm going to do that. There's a few things you've said already. Like, I'm not going to honk my horn as much. I think that's I'm great. Not gonna, I'm not going to I think that's the advantage that I have uh, quite often uh, through sobriety. I'm in a room listening to other men. There are men in there that I look up to or that they have something I want. And I'm able to learn from them without being taught, which to me is everything. Because I'm also a know-it-all. And uh, as I told you, I was, I was in learning disabled classes. So when people start giving me 
tutorials, I get really defensive. Like, what, you think I'm fucking stupid that I, I don't know I, this? Same thing. I feel like an idiot. And so I'm in an environment where yeah. I can learn from people who are not trying to teach me anything, which has been hugely helpful. So everything I'm saying to you, I heard from somebody. Some guy was like, oh, fucking, I'm getting mad at myself for being pissed off in traffic because eventually I realized this or whatever it is. And then I can just steal from them. You what know? amazes me is you, you, I, I didn't know this. Magna cum laude, UCLA. What you didn't? You, fuck, no, I didn't. I would have thought when we were drunk, I would have bragged about that. You did not <laughs> brag about it. What does that mean? What does magna cum laude mean? Does that mean 3.9? Well, it's determined every year. Uh, it's basically, I think, uh, top percentages, right? So it, it, I think it varies from college to college, right? There, are, There's colleges like Stanford, I believe. Everyone gets A's. So I, I don't know how they do it there. Right. But, but at UCLA, the year I graduated... I think Sumo was 3.9, uh, Kuma was 3.8, and then uh, Cum Laude was maybe 3.7. And you probably recall, this is why I think you would recall this, because I was Magna Cum Laude, and then Bree started UCLA right. right when I graduated. I, just, I she forgot was, about that. She was Suma. She was better than me. Suma is yeah. bigger than Magna. She, yeah, she was better at all things than me. But cog, condoms, the Magna. The Magnum bigger. condom is... is but, is it the biggest now? I've been Is out of it? the comedy Maybe game XL for Magnum. 10 years. Magnum. Magnum. <laughs> I feel like they did They did release an even bigger one, right? Now they have an I XL don't know. Magnum. I'm not, I'm not there. Well, what's amazing is, you know, what I like is you're just a regular dude. You're from Michigan. You you know, you just seem... I take a poop every morning. But you take a shit every morning. You're really, you're really obviously a bright guy. And I think that's why, you know, you get kind of upset when people talk down to you. I think when people, in the, especially in the, maybe in the business, who've done a lot of work, they're like, oh, who's this guy who wants to do this? Let me tell you about this. And you right away are like going, dude, I know what I want. I know what I'm doing. Yeah, and what's great is all of these issues, all roads lead back to self-esteem. It's really that simple. If you feel great about yourself, the person that's talking down to you will have no effect on you. You'll be able to see it for what it is. That guy likes to tell people how to do things, whatever. That's his right. thing. He enjoys that. He's got his own laundry list of insecurities, and that makes him feel less insecure. Yeah. And when my self-esteem is low and that guy's doing that, I'm going, this motherfucker thinks I'm an idiot. But that motherfucker's never even thinking about me. He's doing his own thing for himself, you know. Right. And, and how I interpret that is, is based 100% on, on my own self-esteem in that moment. And there are things you can do as a person that are esteemable acts, and there are things that you can do that are selfish acts, and they leave you feeling different ways. It's amazing how you've evolved. And if how you, you go see to this. Hometown Buffet, nothing against Hometown Buffet. By the way, you buffet. like those? You hear the gardeners? Yeah. Does that yeah. bother you? Not at all. Think it'll bother, bother our listeners? No, they'll like it. You like it? I think it adds a little contextual. Uh, it's like Foley. Hey, we're at my house. Some people would, yeah. Gardeners here. Yeah. They may think we're doing this in the driveway, but other than that, I think it'll Rob, be nice. can we fix this in post, Rob? <laughs> do, do the uh, uh, leaf blower elimination app. <laughs> can we do that? Uh, we both love Michael McDonald. Oh, we really do, yeah. I mean, that's yeah. one thing I could always go to you. Uh, well, we both, we've we shared a, uh, we have a ton of overlap in our musical tastes. We do. We like 70s we love yacht rock. We love 70s, 80s yacht rock, really, for us is. Ambrosia. But you have a specific, peculiar thing to you that I've tried to armchair and analyze a, a few times. I know you have. 80s Which music. is your you're in the 80s. Yeah. It's so interesting to me. Yeah, you, you, you analyzed me. You I said, can't you remember said what something I said. like you're reliving the days that you couldn't live up then because you. Well, my theory is this. Yeah. So um, 
my friend Andrew Panay, who you also know, who mm-hmm. produced Chips and Hit and Run, he is a very successful producer. I borrowed his car one day. I pulled it back into the garage, and there was this um, GT bicycle in his garage, brand spanking new. And I got out of the car, and I was fucking staring at this bike. I can't tell you the emotions it elicited in me. I was like, oh, this bike. And he came outside and go, oh, my God, dude, tell me about this bike. He goes, right? He goes, I saw it. I, I was shooting a movie in Connecticut, and I walked by a bike shop, and that was the bike I wanted as a kid that my parents went by me. Uh, I, I, and I was like, oh, my God, I can buy this bike now. And I was like, oh, it makes me feel so good. And then we were just laughing about the fact that, like, whatever it was that you wanted at that age, your entire rest of your life's based on that, like getting that bicycle or whatever right. the fuck it is. Yeah. So you now can see all these bands you wanted to go see and couldn't see but I was around in reason. high school and I couldn't, I had no you couldn't afford yeah. it or whatever the whatever. thing is. Like, we all end up uh, stupidly, if we get some monicum of success, to start trying to heal those those experiences through, like, doing it now, which is hysterical, because it's like, we're not 13. I'm going to Magic Mountain. I'm going to ride roller coasters all day. <laughs> yes. I'm going to go see Air Supply. <laughs> yes. Because I couldn't. Yeah, there's something true about that. Yeah. But it makes me feel good and nostalgic. Sometimes I get a tear in my eye. Yeah. Well, and also your me. office is just floor-to-ceiling toys that you wanted when you were a kid. You know, what else I wanted to ask you real quick is um, we have a different theory on autographs. You never have asked for an autograph. I've asked for one autograph in my life. Whose autograph? O.J. Simpson's post-murder, which I got. He gave you an autograph Uh after he murdered. I was living in Santa Monica, dead broke. I was like 25. I used to take a lot of walks. I was walking. I was on like a two-mile walk, and I had brought this book, Skinny Legs and All, um, a Tom Tom Robbins book, I think. I think that's his name. And um, it was in my backpack. And I'm up on uh, what's the road he lived on? Um, we all know. Drive, it. Rob. What is it? Come on, what the fuck? We know it, Rob. Do you know it? Uh, I'll look it's it up. The most famous. Yeah. Fucking, why don't we know this? But I'm walking down that road, and all of a sudden, O.J. Simpson is jogging towards me in normal street clothes, Rockingham. Rockingham. I'm, I'm on Rockingham, and O.J. Simpson. Like jogs up to me in street clothes, and he goes, "Hey, have you seen a big brown Labrador or whatever dog he was looking for?" And I go, uh, "I go no, I go, but you know what? I'm I'm kind of walking the neighborhood, so if I see it, you want me to bring it back someplace?" And he's like, "Yeah, right there." And he points to the the house, you know, his house. Yeah. And I go, "Okay, I'll do it." And he goes, "Hey, man, thanks a lot." And I was wearing like maybe a Harley T-shirt or something. And he's like, it, "By the way, this whole interaction makes way more sense after I saw the documentary about him. That he was really um, nice to fans. Like he he would interact with anyone. Like he liked being famous. Right. So I go, "Hey, I know you're looking for your dog, but would you mind giving me an autograph?" And I pulled out that book, Skinny Legs and All, and he signed it. And I, but that's the only autograph I've ever asked for. Now you've, you've but said, I felt yeah. like, I don't know. You've kind of, yeah. You, you, you I think you, I've made you feel bad though. You've made, you made me feel bad about <laughs> not, not about getting autographs, and I think that it's maybe again the pictures tr- too. You ask for pictures with people too all the time, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah well, my, my thing is is like first of all, you know, I, I grew up in Indiana. I know in Michigan, so that shouldn't make a difference. But you know, I used to be locked in my room watching movies all the time, and like you know, copy the movies with one VCR to another, right, yeah, dub yeah. them, and thinking the movies weren't going to erase right. eight years from then. But um, <laughs> and and working on my impressions because I had no life and uh 
I just was enamored by all these actors and I, you know, and then I started, started taking acting class. So when I eventually moved to Hollywood and I was working with some of these people, I'm like, this could be it. I always feel like this is my last job or this uh -huh. is the only moment I'm going to meet this person or why not? Hey, maybe my kids someday or hey, it's kind of cool. And some of those friends that used to hang out with me and they, they would like this and I'm going right. to do. And so I'm like working with Steve Martin. I'm like, hey, would you he, tell me about Smallville? And then I go, hey, sign my jerk poster. He's like, yeah, come in my trip. And it was no biggie. He's like, I got a jerk poster. And I got all these signed Batman uh, Adam West car. Yeah. And I think I'm just like more of a geek like that. I think it's kind of fun and cool. But I always feel like I don't belong. I've talked about this before. But I always feel like around big celebs, I just feel like if there's anybody bigger than me in the room, which is sure. a lot of the time, uh -huh. I just don't feel comfortable. They have that effect on everybody. It is our evolution we're primates and we live in multi-member groups and we're obsessed with status and who's alpha and who's beta and who's omega and we have this non-stop anxiety about where we're at in this structure and we're in a fucking group that's way too big to ever be at the top of or even in the upper third so i think it gives us all this anxiety my argument against the autographs and photos <laughs> is this i'm with you on loving someone um I've met a lot of people I loved, you know. What I think it does is it takes your love for somebody and then it reduces it to an object that ultimately you're just getting to show other people so that you can actually get attention for something. So I'll meet people in the airport and they'll be like, um, hey, I love you. Can you get a picture? And I've said this. I'm like, I'll give you a picture or you can spend the next five minutes with me chatting. What would you want to do? Picture. 100% of the time they want a picture. Sure. Because they don't want an interaction with me, weirdly. They don't want to sit and have a neat experience with me. They want something to post on their Facebook page so they get attention. So I don't see it as altruistic as you do. It'd be one thing if it was truly flattering, but the flattering version would be like someone's just excited to meet someone they really look up to and then they have this great interaction and it's not actually bogged down by either a photograph or me signing my name, which puts me in a position that's now, I'm not a human, I'm this weird product or I'm this person who sees their mean something. Autographs, fine. I can't remember the last time someone's asked me for an autograph. It's all pictures now. Just you hate everyone pictures. you meet. You don't like them. I don't like them. I, I, I'm hesitant to say that out loud because I understand I understand it and I don't want to sound like I'm too big for my britches. I just don't. First of all, I don't like being in my own fucking pictures. I don't take selfies of myself and post them on. We're going to take a picture of social this. media. Good. I don't like how I look in pictures. I don't think there's ever a good angle. I don't think I've ever looked good on a cell phone picture. So I personally am not taking any cell phone pictures of myself. So then why would I enjoy taking one for you? I won't even do it for <laughs> myself. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah. So the whole thing just makes me uncomfortable. And, um, and I don't think it's really it has anything to do with me or meeting me or interacting with me. I think it's solely just to have yeah. someone hey, I'm a nice famous guy, on talk your to me. face. I'm yes. a nice guy. Talk to me. We don't have to take a exactly. picture. And then, and then it's compounded. So whatever my hatred for it was before kids, it's now infinitely higher because my kids aren't fucking famous. They didn't pick a career in acting. Right. So if we're at the airport, yeah. don't, don't I don't want you fucking kids. taking pictures of me and my children and then putting – because I'll get tweeted all the time like – Hey, saw you at PDX, and it's a picture of my kids. And I'm like, yeah. I don't want that on social media. Sure. I don't want people to know what my kids look like. So if you see them at a park and you know their name, because I just don't like the whole Makes thing. Makes 100% uh, sense. Yeah. Uh, but I will say that um, that theory is good. 
Which one? That one you just said about the pictures and the theory of like talking to someone or taking a picture. It yeah. All that. But I will say that I, I, when I worked with Stallone, I, I felt like there was a week that I was on set with him and we were uh-huh. laughing and we had backstories like, hey, who's your doctor? Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> this guy's son. So, yeah, that's my doctor. He won't fucking call me back. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, he doesn't, you know, he's like, he's like, he gave him my cell phone. I was like, yeah, well, you know, he's probably having other surgery. Come on, nobody does surgeries at fucking 11 o'clock at night. And like we like, and it was just like, and then the next day I have all these dots on my face for the CGI. And he's like, who are you supposed to be? Pippi Longstocking? What is this, huh? Who are you? You know, I do the gay spider where I put my hand on his hand. He's like, what the hell is that? I'm like, that's a gay spider. Like, put your gay spider away. Hey, what is there, rust? Do you think they would have found a cure for Did rust? Did you this ask way? him in this week together if that Rob Schneider story was true? No. How could you have forgotten? I know, I know. It was uh, the... Uh, uh, My favorite story of you interacting with an A-list celebrity is is you with um, Clint Eastwood. Oh, yeah. I may have added a line or two. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, anyway, the thing with Stallone, quickly, yeah. the thing with Stallone was that I worked with him a week, this, and I thought, eh, I may work with him again if they make a third one or not. Who cares? Sign my fucking lunchbox. I love it. And he was like, hey, all right, I do it. Uh-huh. And it was like we had a relationship. We had a connection. Sure. He liked me already. At that was- point, it's kind of flattering because you guys are friends and you're you're admitting to him at the end of a now actually having some kind of a relationship like, oh, by the way, I also – kind of look up to you and hold you in high esteem would mean a lot yeah that's different than you uh you know ru- bum rushing him as he enters a restaurant oh yeah no no i won't do that yeah yeah, yeah i won't do that usually yeah. it's when i'm working with someone yeah i feel the need now what was the story that clint eastwood is that you worked with him i forget in what capacity uh, midnight in the garden of good and evil <laughs> yeah not, not a lot of people saw that yeah how about you be john malkovich and i'll be clint right so this is michael rosenbaum's favorite scene of any movie ever so this is the scene in the line of fire. Yeah. No, what you couldn't possibly know, Frank, is that they sent my friend, my comrade in arms to my home to kill me. I never lied to you, Frank, and I never will. Where were you, Frank? <laughs> no. You have a rendezvous with my asshole, motherfucker. <laughs> I couldn't get it out. <laughs> you yeah, do it. No, you no. do it so good. You no, do it better no, than me. Go ahead. I just want to try Jesus. it before you did it really good. Well, when I went up to Clint, I just said, hey. Well, hold on. Do the line first. You have a, you have a rendezvous with my asshole, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, at some and, point, Clint uh, in that movie says, you have a rendezvous with my asshole, motherfucker. And then Rosenbaum was really curious mm-hmm. if that was in the script. So I said, in the line of fire, Clint, you said this line. I just want to know if you improvised. <laughs> well, what was the line? <laughs> it was something along the lines of, uh, you have a rendezvous with my asshole, motherfucker. <laughs> He goes, well, I might have added a line or two, yeah. <laughs> and so Rosenbaum told that story so often that we then said, how could you make that line even weirder? And it and would be, it. you have a rendezvous with my asshole lips, motherfucker. <laughs> you added lips. <laughs> my asshole and we, lips. And we put it in that uh, Brothers Justice. Yes, in Brothers Justice we said that. So line. now that's another you thing. You have, you, a, you have a rendezvous, rendezvous with my, my asshole, asshole lips, lips, motherfucker. <laughs> Asshole. What well, could be grosser than the words asshole lips? I've used it since then. I thought it was pretty genius. <laughs> so now lips. you put, now you have a propensity for me to use a big word like that. You've used a few today. Mm-hmm. Uh, to, uh, putting your friends in films. You put me in all of your films. Yeah, I was right. cut out of the last one, but uh-huh. th- by, by no, 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 I, I don't, I would no never comment on your performance. No, no, no. Great. It made, made no sense. It's on like the, the DVD. I hope I saw, you can get it. Oh, is it really? Yeah. Uh-huh. Nice. Yeah. Um, chips. And, uh, I, you put me in hit and run. You put me in like, 
I mean, look, you come to Hollywood and you're like, friends make it big. You're like, they're going to put you in movies, but that doesn't happen a lot. James Gunn has put me in things. He put me in Guardians. Uh -huh. You. You're three the other. Three. You're three. I mean, you're three for three, and I don't even expect it. But I always say, well, in the second role, it, it, which was the biggest of the three, um, I actually wrote for you, which is even more different. I think it's one thing just to cast one of your buddies in this role you have open, yeah. but, but I specifically wrote whatever your character's name was in Hit and Run Gil. for you, Gil. Gil, Gil Rathbun. Gil Rathbun. Yeah, which yeah. I got that and, name and out you, of at Palms. Did I tell you where I got that no. name? I was writing that script in Palm Springs by myself in a hotel room, and I went out to uh, eat, and I grabbed, like, one of those real estate circulars, you know, to look at, like, houses there or whatever. And uh, I started looking at the names of the real estate agents in Palm Desert and stuff, and they were a treasure trove Gil. of funny names. And one of them was, like, Terry and Gil Rathbun, and then you and your brother's names are... <laughs> Terry and Gil Rathbun. <laughs> I love I love doing that. Let me movie. try that thing. I want popcorn lung. It's just see. just nicotine. Yeah, yeah. But you don't want to start doing that because then God, it's like, no, oh no, my no, gosh, no. now he's doing that no. around the kids. I'm not Kristen's going to do like, this. Yeah, relapse. I don't want you to do. That. <clears throat> I had a brief relapse. Uh, relapse. <laughs> <laughs> you had a brief asshole. Yeah. <laughs> I had a brief relapse <laughs> with uh, with chewing tobacco recently. Oh, yeah. I went back on that for like habit. three months. Oh, so gross. Jesus, yeah. it's gross. But my two-year-old said tobacco really cute, which kind of made it worth it. What, what would you say? She's like, Daddy, this your tobacco? She called it tobacco like naturally. You know old-timers call <laughs> yeah, it tobacco? Yeah, she, she called it tobacco. I love it. Yeah, but I, I stopped. Come your on. kids are really cute. And I think you were honest when they were born. I thought your kids were really cute as, as babies. Mm -hmm. But I feel like you're the kind of parent that, like, if your baby wasn't cute, you'd say it. I feel like I'd own that, yeah. Because who gives that. a shit? Yeah. I was below average looking as a child. Yeah, me too. I'm being interviewed on the Inside Michael Rosenbaum's Inside podcast. Hey, do you, uh, do you remember meeting Kristen? I still think that I know you had some, there was game night or something the first time, but then I think here's the deal. Yeah. Do you know the story? Of course. Well, it was at the Kings Tell game. Tell it all the time. Uh -huh. It was at the Kings game. Red Wings. Red Wings. Red Wings yeah. Kings. Yeah. And we saw her there. That's right. That night. And I'd met her a week before at someone's birthday dinner, like only eight people. And we did not talk really at all. Right. There was no connection. Were you attracted to her though? Nope. Okay. Uh, and then... You and I were at the Red Wings game like a week or so later, and we ran into her, and you knew her from being on the CW. I had met her. It was, became the WB. Oh, okay. <laughs> Just kidding. No, it was the WB, and now it's the CW? Oh, yeah. They, that's right. So you started chatting with her. And I, be honest, and I thought I was attracted to her. Yeah, 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 yeah. You knew that. Yeah, yeah. I course. was like, wow, yeah. this girl's beautiful. And she even said you guys used to flirt at those events. Like she whatever, did? yeah, WB oh, events man. you had to go to. Or... I could have two kids right now. Mm. No, you couldn't have. No. No. Nope. You wouldn't have gone to therapy week no. four. She would have dumped me month three before your first couples therapy. No, you just wouldn't have gone to couples therapy right out of the gates. Right. But go ahead. So, we, so did I get her number for you? No. What happened was we you were talking to her, and I was like, oh, this girl's really cute. And then I started talking to her a lot, and she reminded me that we had just met at Shauna's birthday party. And I was like, oh, my God, that's right. I didn't remember that right out of the gates. Right. And now as I was talking to her, I was like, this girl's really cute. She is so oh, yeah. sparkly. And then I, I said, do you have any more of that gum? This is what she always tells. Do you have any more of that gum? And she said, just a piece of my mouth. And I said, okay, I'll take half. And she gave me half the piece. And she was like, oh, this boy likes me. And then I got her number the next day from Shauna, whose birthday party it was we were at eight days before. How many dates before you slept with her? I don't know, but more than normal. 
took I mean, a while. not a lot. She's a no, good girl. And it did not take a while. Four it dates. Just, it wasn't. Uh, I, I I don't remember. Right. Yeah. I'm gonna read some tweets real quick. Uh, oh wow. I mean, you really did some research. Well, that's my here. producer, but I, I wanted to you know make it kind of interesting. You, you just tweeted. I like your tweets. That's why some okay. guests I don't uh, read their tweets. Okay. Uh, sometimes when I see a really beautiful house, I stare at it and let myself believe my kids would be super cooperative if we lived there. <laughs> yeah. And that one thing I'll say about my tweets is, uh, with rare exception, they're real. It's like people <laughs> who do stand up who tell fake stories. I, I can't stand that. Yeah. I like, like I loved Richard Pryor's my favorite all time. Me too. Stand up as them. many people. Cause all of his stories were fucking real. You knew those, that shit really happened. Yeah. I, I hate when people are like, telling some bullshit so anyways yes that day i was taking my kids to the park and they were being fucking assholes and Kristen was working all day it took me so long to get them in the car there was a huge traffic jam to get to the park i drive by this house and i just stop and i look at it because it's beautiful and i just imagined what our life would be like in that house and i really thought they would be nice selfish thought of the day should i tweet about this great restaurant i want them to be busy enough to stay open but not wait in line busy <laughs> do you ever so have true. that thought? oh yeah sure yeah, that that's the place right next to Bowery, next by ArcLight, that uh, Mediterranean joint for for Fala or something. People are pumped for self-driving cars. They can read or text. They say, "I say we've had them for a hundred years. They're called buses." It's one of my favorites. It's true, right? Mm-hmm. I've noticed- this wasn't a very deep dig. This is all like within the last no. month. Oh yeah, that's why yeah, I thought they were. Okay. I've uh, I've noticed that people who regularly use the phrase "is what this country was built on" typically have zero knowledge of U.S. history. Yeah. I'd like to ask you a question. Sure. Who said, ich bin ein Berliner? I am a Berliner. Uh, I mean, what's weird is I'm inclined to say it was Hitler, but but he's from Austria. But I'll say Hitler. Most people would say Hitler. It was Kennedy. Oh. When he came to Germany, he said, ich bin, I am a Berliner now. Ich bin oh. ein Berliner. And Berliner actually means a donut. Oh, great. So he said, I am a donut. <clears throat> and was he? I, I don't I know. I can't remember. I don't know my... U.S. history enough to know if John F. Kennedy was a donut or not. In my head all morning, hanging out the passenger side of his best friend's ride, scream and holler at me. This is when I thought, maybe I don't know Dax as well as I used to. What's, what song is that? Scrub. Sing it. I don't want no scrub. Scrub is a man that can't get no love from me. Hanging out the passenger side of his best friend's ride, trying to holler at me. Wow, you know the words. Does Bell get you into that music? Do you think without Bell, you wouldn't be like so inclined to listen to this music? No, I think I definitely am. No, she hasn't really um, influenced my musical choices. But th- what I will say musically about her is I have favorite songs that I've listened to upwards of 4,000 times that I don't know the words to, or that I don't even know a third of the words to. Like, my very favorite song of all time is Talking Heads' Naive Melody. Oh, I don't know yeah, a I... fucking word of that song. And I'm Feet listening... on the ground, head in the sky, it's a run, I don't know the See, we didn't know. But I know, like, every fifth word of that song. Kristen could hear that song a single time, and she'd know every single word. Like, she can hear the words. In yeah, music. but she's got She's actually graphic, a memory. musical genius. You yeah, know, she, she, yeah. She was, like, operatically trained. She she can read and write music. She is, is really She's one of the smart. smartest people I've, I've ever met. Well, we would watch um, American Idol, and the person would sing, and she would have this, like, breakdown of what they were doing wrong. Very technical. And I would be like, she's showing off, and it's probably not even true. And then Harry Connick Jr. would say fucking verbatim what she said, and she would be, like, elated. Because, of course, he's a super music genius. And I met him at the Super Bowl this year and got to tell him that. 
Gosh, you've met everybody. A lot of big stars. Uh, let me ask. <laughs> shaking hands with a lot of talent. Uh, would you consider me for another movie if you direct? Which you will. Oh, yeah, of course. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks. Three last things. Uh, I mean, all three of them have not made any money. I wouldn't want to break my streak. I feel like maybe. First of all, first of all, <laughs> uh, Brothers Justice is hilarious. A little documentary that you made. And that, mm-hmm. you did that for pennies. And people don't five realize grand, that. Yeah. Five grand. And it was, you know, it's hilarious. And I, I loved it. And I think what matters most is like. Look, I made a movie for like eight hundred grand, and I, I love it. And, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. Rotten Tomatoes could sit here and give it eleven percent. Sure. Fuck Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, I just don't care. Well, I, all I, you, I made the movie I wanted to make. Exactly. All you can do is make the movie that you want to see. Yeah. I don't know how to make the movie someone else wants to see. I don't know how to do that. I can only write a script that is the jokes I want to hear. It's your sense of humor, right? It's what I want to hear. Maybe that's broadly appealing. Maybe it's not. As a director, I've never... Here's the conclusion I came to the other day. Because, of course, I was depressed for a couple months after Chips came out. But I had this realization. I'm going to name drop. I went and met with Kevin Smith to ask him questions about Superman. And we were kind of talking about movies coming out and how they perform and that whole experience. And I said, you know what's funny is if I went back in time and found 16-year-old Dak Shepard on his, you know fucking lunch hour at high school and said hey doing someone you're gonna write and direct and star in a movie at warner brothers i would i would never say how much does it make how much do i make like i would just be like no way how's that gonna happen there's no way i'm gonna grow up and direct a movie at warner brothers what are you talking about i just wouldn't believe it at at no point would i even consider how much money it was gonna make see i do the same thing when i go back in time i go to that that 16 year old i go you're not gonna be married or have a real relationship at 45 (laughs) what the fuck (laughs) you man (laughs) turn it around for us turn it around will you oh man uh Lastly, uh, Wang Chung just followed me. Oh, he yeah. Uh, them, Isn't that them. fun when weird oh, Boy George followed me? Oh, really? Yeah, I don't know oh, why. Oh, that's great. I had a couple real weird... Oh, uh, Danny... Uh, not Danny. Um, Randy Quaid started following oh, me. I fucking whoa. screen grabbed that and sent it straight to Chris, and I'm like, dream on, Toots. <laughs> dream You'll on. You'll never have the ear of Randy Quaid. I've made it. Yeah. By the way, he was genius in those vacations. Oh, you and I love those. I remember also we did... I have the, still, still the BB gun... That uh, I got, uh, we all signed the day we watched all the Rambos at your house. Oh, yeah, yeah. Me, you, Nate Tuck. I think it was Jess. Uh, Good time. Great oldies. Uh, So Wang Chung followed me last. Well, secondly, I'd like to hear your Tom Arnold impression really quick. If you could sum it up in one minute, the story really quick of you almost wanting to beat each other up in Iraq. Yeah, Afghanistan. Afghanistan. So Tom and I have this really funny relationship, which you've seen in person. Oh, yeah. Um, which is we We're hate, all we hate each other's guts and right. we love each other to death. Yeah. And we drive each other crazy. And um, we went to Afghanistan. And something I'm really sensitive about was that Nate Tuck was there, my best buddy. And uh, I don't like the idea of maybe Tom taking advantage of him, right? So Tom, the way he would eat at the dining facility on the base was it scared you. You know, it was like a couple hundred chicken wings and like four hot fudge sundaes. Eight Diet Cokes. Yeah, it's just crazy. But we love them. And so we're late to uh, do our stand-up show. And we stop at the dining hall to get a quick bite. We're in a hurry. And as we're walking, and Nate's supposed to be filming, by the way. He's there to kind of film this whole thing. But as we walk to the show, I notice he's not filming because he's holding two trays of food. And, like, we get in this car to be driven over to the the, the stand-up show. And I go, Nate, why why do you have two trays of food? And he goes, oh, "Oh, Tom's made me carry them. 
and Tom's up <laughs> Tom front in the car. Me carry them. <laughs> Tom's up front, and it's been a long trip in Afghanistan already. And you're so thinking this was he's just taking kinda, advantage of Nate. And, and he's taking you advantage don't like of Nate, it. and it's kind of the final straw, basically. Right. Like this, this, Things have escalated. This fight has been burbling right, right. for him. And you're I. not having a good night's sleep. By the way, I, Tom's one of the only friends I've had my whole life that we fight regularly, and but yeah. neither of us mind, right? Yeah. So Nate's like, oh, these are Tom's. He's got me carrying them. And the fucking ice cream's melting all over his lap and shit. And I go, hey, Tom, stop being such a fucking selfish asshole and carry your own fucking food. Fuck you, buddy. Goddamn it. I'll fucking kill you. Yeah, he goes, oh, oh, I'm selfish, buddy. You're fucking arrogant. You're so fucking arrogant. And I'm like, yeah, you're such a fucking slob. You're fucking, you, you eat everything. You're spilling shit everywhere. You're fucking, like, and we. I'll fucking kick your ass, buddy. There's just this explosion in this tiny car of us screaming at each other. Me saying. How he, close to punches. He's a fucking glutton and he's selfish and he's calling me an arrogant know-it-all. And we're screaming. And oh, if we had been both in the back seat, we definitely would have started punching each other. And um, Tom gets so mad, he, he he gets out of the car and storms off. And then the best was our, our, our like liaison guy from the USO who Tom hated. He made fun of this guy, this poor guy, for a solid week. Um, <laughs> because Tom asked him, he's like, hey, buddy, who else have you had come through here that you've helped out? And the guy said, uh, Spyro Gyro. I love them. My dad's good friends with the freaking guy from Spyro Gyro. Of course he is, yeah. (laughs) So for the rest of the trip, Tom called him Spyro Gyro (laughs) and Lone Wolf because he had a wolf tattoo, all this stuff. And so the guy hated Tom. So Tom gets out of the car, and and the guy goes, he turns to me, he goes, I'm so glad you finally said it. And I go, you know, because I still love him. We're brothers. I go, this doesn't mean we're not on the same fucking team, buddy. Like, I immediately scream at him for trying to, like, double-cross Tom. It was like, I just told him to fuck off, and I hate him. (laughs) And then that guy's like, yeah, good. I'm like, shut up. He's a good guy. (laughs) (laughs) And then we walked on stage 40 seconds later, and we had, like, the greatest show he and I have ever had together. My brother was my assistant for a while. Yeah, I remember. And um, we're downstairs once, and he's with us, like, on a date or something. And Tom comes by, and he's just like, and the one thing he's supposed to not say, like Tom. Oh, yeah. He goes, so, buddy, you guys getting along since you fired him? (laughs) Yeah, 100%. I didn't fire him. It was the most uncomfortable thing ever. And then literally my, my brother leaves. He wasn't pissed. But later on, my brother's, you know, he's cool. Uh, my, Tom leaves, and I just remember looking at him. I go, you fucking idiot, dude. Oh, Why yeah. would you say that to him? Oh, yeah. God, well, buddy, I didn't know that. You don't know anything. He went on a talk show and told a story about me hooking up with his sister-in-law. But I was like, so, Tom, in the future, when you go on talk shows, maybe, you know. Tell me. You leave that part out. Oh, yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. Leave or you it run it by me beforehand. You say, "Hey, was this something you'd like everyone to know?" He did it on Conan. He said, uh, "Yeah, my buddy Rosenbaum was up here. You know, he he was telling me about how you smoke pot a lot. Andy's always smoking pot. You're always you get a bunch of weights in your room, and you you never use them, Conan." That's why it was never. It took me five years after that to get on Conan. That was my last one. Um, I'm going to ask you this. I'd like you to uh, give me a Michael McDonald. Should we slow it down? Uh, I'd like to give you. Uh, I'd like to. I'd like to hear a Michael McDonald uh, impression from you. Okay. Now I know what loving you cause, babe. Now we're up to talking divorce, and we weren't even married. On my own. This isn't how it was supposed to be. On my own. Dude, I love you. What's yours? Uh, 
Well, you know I love. I keep forgetting I'm not in love Shine sweet freedom, shine a light on me. I always thought he was black. You all the magic, the mad man I wanna be. No, there's you have one that you that that's really good. That's about. Uh, Yamo be there, up and over. Yamo be there. What is he saying? Yamo, Yamo be there, which is I'm I'm gonna be there. I'm gonna right? be there. Yamo be says, there. Yamo be there. Mm-hmm. God bless him, Dax. I. uh I was a little nervous about this. So. You were. I was. Well, I haven't seen you in a while. We, sure. we text. You're busy. I'm busy. Yeah. yeah. But I haven't seen you in a while. We haven't really had time. But I really felt like we were catching up, even though I was getting to learn a lot That's about right. you. And I, I really want to say that I love you sincerely. You're one of the most original guys I know. And you're one of the most generous fucking guys out there. Period. The end. You're, you're a great husband. You're a great dad from what I've seen and heard. Sure. <laughs> sure. You don't know everything. But, but yeah. you're, you're a great friend. I think you're phenomenally talented. And honestly, thank I, you. And I, I, I too love you. I've loved you since we met. We've been friends, one of my longest friendships here in Los Angeles. And never laugh harder than hanging out. You and I, we get into a weird zone that only you and I think is yeah. funny. Yeah. I agree. And we'll, we'll show people in public and they'll be like, who are these idiots yeah, singing Michael McDonald down yeah. the street? But uh, <laughs> it's been a pleasure. Thank you for allowing me to be inside of you. Yes. And thanks for entering me. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was the three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.